What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Seifter, and I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Bart Wheeler. And Bart, you know, I, I'm going to start right here. It's interesting because there's always that moment in the in August, sometime in August, where like it all starts to feel real. You know what I mean? Where it feels oh, yeah. like this is really happening, and you get that like thrill, that rush. And you don't know exactly what it's going to be for, you know, in any given season. And for me, I'll be honest, like the start of the preseason didn't really do it for me. Yeah. Um, but it was the weirdest thing that did. And it was today. Uh, it was uh, Prime uh, thir- is going to be uh, hosting Thursday Night Football. Yep. And they released their new song. I heard it. <laughs> for Thursday Night Football. And it's something about like the music of all the football shows. Like the class, it's like cl- the only thing keeping classical music like. In the, in the mainstream consciousness, I feel like. But um, it, just like hearing that new song, I don't know if it's my favorite one, but it just, it sounds like a quintessential, like it sounds very similar to like the NBC one. And mm-hmm. just like, I don't know, it's like a Pavlovian thing. Like I start drooling, like I'm like, oh, I can now picture what I'm going to be doing on Thursday nights for the next three months and I can't wait. Absolutely, man. I'm getting goosebumps just like thinking about it because I was watching that earlier too. And like good music just, you know, it gets in your bones, right? It gets into your body. Like I'd listened to it earlier too. Like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it just because number one, it means football, but yeah, it does have that really just epic sound to it. It was really good. Yeah. I just, there's something about the like music that we, that we associate with like NF. I think NFL films were the ones who really like started that whole thing um, with those like, you know, VHS tapes they used to release (laughs) back in the day and all that. Do 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 do. But you know, it's just like something about that man. It just makes me want to like grab a giant like turkey leg and just like start chewing on it. And like I don't know, I'm just I'm excited. I saw something on Twitter too. You mentioned it made me think of Madden. I think it was I think it was Zach Ertz. Maybe uh, had a baby. Uh, his wife had a baby recently. And they named it Madden. Like, oh, nice. That's pretty cool. Did 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 Ertz have a baby? That could be like a new Twitter account or something. <laughs> did Ertz have a baby? Did he break a tackle? Yes. For those who don't know what I'm talking yeah. about, that was a, a wonderful Twitter account that I believe is no more because it oh. seems like Zach Ertz has sort of had a little bit of a renaissance. We'll, we'll get to him when we talk tight ends. But today, we're going to be talking wide receivers. Uh, before we do that, I guess we do have to address the elephant in the room, though, yeah. which is uh, the Deshaun Watson news. So it's 11 games now. It's not six. It's not the full season. It's like halfway in between, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's a very random number, and it ensures that he comes back just in time to face the Texans, which almost seems like a cynical thing by the NFL to like help their ratings or something. Yeah. I don't know, but um, not that they need much help with their ratings. Uh, but what does this mean for fantasy, in your opinion? Well, first of all, I, I thought it was kind of random, too. It was like 11, and then I heard someone talking about it, or I saw on Twitter someone said, you know, Deshaun has incentives to, like, if he plays six games, then he can get his whole contract. So you figure uh-huh. week 13 to 17, right, if he plays all those games, he gets his $40 million or whatever. So I think the negotiations probably stopped right there, right? They're like, look, we can do 11, but we're not doing 12. And I yeah. think that's probably, you know, it definitely came down to the almighty dollar there. Of um, but, yeah, for fantasy... For me, for redraft, a lot of people listening are probably in standard leagues, home leagues, whatever. You know, you might have your draft this weekend, next weekend. Um, I'm not drafting Deshaun Watson. Uh, and the reason is, especially if you have a short bench, I like to use the waiver wire. I think, you know, you got to, like, the draft is important. It's fun. 
but it's probably 40 or 50% of, you know, the season. Like, you got to be active on the waiver wire, and you may have IL spots and stuff. Watson's going to be suspended. He's not going to be able to be in that IL spot. So he's going to take a bench spot, and that's valuable. I like to churn those benches. Like, you think about all the people you add and drop. We're going to be doing a waiver wire show every week. There's going to be guys right after week one. You want to, There's going to be guys before week one you're going, to want, you're going to want to add. So, yeah, I'm not drafting them. How about you? Yeah, I mean, it's you know we had a good conversation on our last show, which people should check out if they haven't already, which was the quarterback uh, positional preview. And I think we we both pretty much agreed that like in a single QB league, you can afford to wait on quarterback. You probably don't need to draft two. Yep. Um, so in that format, yeah, I mean, uh, it's just how much of an upgrade would Deshaun Watson be for those six weeks that he comes back over whoever you're going to have at quarterback? That's the big question, because if he's not really an upgrade or it's debatable, like, is he going to be an upgrade over Matthew Stafford? Like, I don't know, probably (laughs) not. Or if so, a small one, right? So in that sense, it's not really worth like wasting a roster spot all year to get that very small uh, upgrade, which may not even be an upgrade. Um, It is, of course, he's going to be back for the fantasy football playoffs, though. So that is kind of the thing that's like, well, you know, if 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 you're starting Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, I don't know. Maybe maybe you would want to grab Watson, or at least maybe in season you could grab him. Maybe he's going to be on the waiver wire for the first month, and then somebody yeah. will pick him up. You know, in superflex, it's totally different though. I, like I feel like he does have to be drafted in a superflex league, and it's like you know because he is going to be an upgrade over a lot of quarterbacks that True. are starting in super flex leagues and if you do get to the fantasy playoffs and your second quarterback is like i don't know like uh uh Ryan Tannehill or yeah, something like Mac that Jones. you know like yeah. it could be a, a league winning move to have Deshaun Watson take over or you know Tannehill I actually kind of like this year it could be something even worse you know yeah. um as your as you know Jared Goff or something like that you know so in that sense, I do feel like in a super flex league, you kind of have to like hold your nose and uh, and draft him. I think. <laughs> I'm just. I, I hope you have a, a deep bench because, for me, it just comes down to like I just know how I will be during the season and wanting to. I just don't want to have that roster spot. But yes, you're right. In a super flex, I think you've got to take that risk at some point. Hopefully, it's mid mid to late rounds. I don't. I don't really know where it is in a super flex, but for for standard leagues, I mean, you mentioned the play, fantasy playoffs. Yeah, he'll be back then, but like. How confident would you be to start him like in his first game back? Maybe Derek Carr is playing well. I don't know who they play week 13 off the top of my head, but like, you know, for instance, or a Stafford, um, they might have a great matchup too. And so then you're then you're holding a guy for 12 weeks, <laughs> you know, gosh, three months. And then maybe you put him in. Well, I guess I, the, the playoffs usually start what in week 15 now, right? Since oh, that's they added true. an extra week to so the you'd season. Have a, so you'll you'd get have a week two, or two. You'll get a two-game sneak peek yeah. <laughs> on Deshaun Watson before you have to decide. It reminds me back – this is like a really old-school reference, but it reminds me of when the Bills benched Doug Flutie when he, like, got them to, like, a 10-5 and record because Rob Johnson, like, threw for <laughs> 300 yards and three touchdowns in a meaningless game in the final game of the regular season, and then they started Rob Johnson in the playoffs. Like, <laughs> it, is it that kind of a situation? I mean, yeah, if your starting quarterback has been good all year and got you to the fantasy playoffs, it would be – it would be pretty bold to uh, pull the plug on him for Deshaun Watson, unless he looks really, really good in those two games. Yeah, and if you have a deep, if you have a deep enough bench, you know, if you have six, seven, eight bench spots, let's say, then then yes, I think you can afford to pick him toward the end of your draft 
because a lot of people are probably just going to be like, yeah, like me, like I just said, I'm not going to, I have a draft Saturday and I'm just not even going to, I'm not even going to look at them until the last round. Um, this is also a keeper league though. So like at some point I need to look at them, right? If you have a keeper yes. league, I mean, gosh, yes. someone's going to draft him probably in like the eighth or ninth round, maybe even just because at some point, I mean, he becomes a great keeper. Like in my league, you have to give up two rounds. So you draft him in the eighth round, you have to give up a six next year. Then it starts to become kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was also thinking about it in terms of like the Browns' other skill position players because like yeah, I was very into like a David and Joku breakout this season. Uh, Amari Cooper obviously is an exciting player to have coming to Cleveland. Uh, their you know their secondary pass catchers maybe aren't you know super exciting for fantasy, but that with Deshaun Watson under center, like those are the kind of players that would suddenly become fantasy relevant you know those yep. guys that aren't really rosterable when when uh jacoby Brissett is under center would be with watson and a guy like cooper could be a real difference maker in the fantasy playoffs a guy like njoku could maybe really break out in you know the latter part of the season so i do kind of boost those guys a little bit um just knowing that watson will be back for part of the season well i actually moved cooper down a little bit for our wide receiver wide receiver preview today, so we'll let's get into our tiers and start at the top, and we'll see where Cooper lands for both of us. All right, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Maybe if you were assuming a six game suspension for Watson, I could see moving Cooper down. Exactly. I, I kind of yeah. saw the writing on the wall with that one. There. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's start at the top, and I, I think we may actually have a, a, a disagreement right from the top here. So yeah, um, this could be some good podcast debate. Um, <laughs> For me, it's not close. Like, Cooper Cup is the number one receiver, and he, for me, is in a tier by himself. Mm. Um, and I believe you actually have Justin Jefferson above Cooper uh, Cooper Cup. Is that right? I do. I moved him up there, you know, a week or two ago when we started getting the rumblings of Stafford and his elbow. Um, will that be a serious issue during the season? It's still we'll, – we'll see, right? I mean, everything's kind of fine right now. He's okay in practice. But, yeah, I'm just a little worried, right? Like, we get – Week one, week two, we start getting into this 17-game season, and I do worry a little bit that what if we don't have Stafford for the whole year? So I'm kind of hedging a little bit, I think. Plus, you know, Kevin O'Connell is in Minnesota now. Justin Jefferson, was he's already a stud. I feel like he could take that next leap. So I think, for me, I think it's splitting hairs a little bit. I know that Cooper Cup is coming off an amazing season. Guys often don't repeat, you know, their amazing season. There's really no reason not to put him at number one aside from the Stafford worries, but I have a tier of Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup, and I have no problem ranking one above the other. Yeah, that's fair. And I think your position is actually more commonplace in the fantasy industry right now than mine is. But I just look at what happened last season, and until, like, the latest news on Stafford seems to be pretty positive. So I'm kind of not factoring that in very much, I guess. And when you don't, if you don't factor that in, then I think you have to look at, like what actually happened last year. And it's like, yeah, yeah, Justin Jefferson's a stud, okay? And <laughs> in in uh, Dynasty in, in particular, like, he's amazing. Yeah. But in Redraft, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't right on Cooper Cup's tail last year. I mean, he was uh, – Cooper Cup scored 28% more fantasy points per game in a half PPR league than Justin Jefferson. It's 21.6 versus 16.3. That's a, a pretty big difference. And De- Jefferson wasn't like even the wide receiver two. I mean, the wide receiver two was actually Debo Samuel. The wide receiver three was actually Devontae Adams. And Jefferson came in fourth. So, um, you know, I think this is like 
I love Justin Jefferson as a player, but I don't know that I necessarily can expect this huge leap from him this year because, uh, I mean, he's already a great player. It's more just a, a it's just more a matter of the situation. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I know it's, it's good to get excited about O'Connell, but like they still have Adam Thielen. Uh, KJ Osborne is uh, developing into a pretty good player. I'm expecting an Irv Smith breakout this year. So I don't know how much growth we can really expect from Jefferson. And it's a lot to expect him to catch up to the cup. I mean, cup was the only receiver that rivaled like the top running backs in fantasy production last year. So um, I'm just not there yet. If I was really worried about Stafford, maybe, but um, I, I just can't project that much of a, bump for Jefferson for him to close the gap that's fair I mean and like I said I, I think it's for me it's I'm kind of splitting hairs I, I mentioned the case and what I said about like guys having a hard time repeating I mean that's just looking at history like you know we've seen guys like Tyree Kill Michael Thomas Devonte Adams all these guys have great seasons and then Cooper Cup last year you know those are like the top guys from the last four or five years you know I don't hear any there's no repeat guys um now Thomas dealt with an injury there's been some different cases but that it's gonna it's always tough for a guy to repeat as the number one running back the number one wide receiver so for that reason I think it's it's not you know it's not crazy at least I mean I know you're not saying that but like it's not crazy to like have Jefferson above him um I mean heck Cooper Cup was what probably a third or fourth round pick in a lot of leagues last year so the number one receiver can come from you know a little bit further down these tiers that we're talking about so we'll just have to wait and see that's definitely true. And, you know, I've heard some noise in the industry, like where people are just like, you know, slamming other people for ranking things unusually, you know, saying they're just trying to get attention or whatever. And <laughs> right. I'm not in that camp, you know, I'm no. all for, you know, uh, I mean, it is true. There are some people that I think do just be hot takey for hot takey <laughs> sake. But um, I think the majority of people are really trying to you know, find their guys that they really believe in. And I, I, I don't have a, pro- I, I like, I do think there's a lot of group think uh, in fantasy sports in general. So I'm yep. not the kind of person who's like, Oh, you have to have Cooper cup number one, or you're just doing it to, <laughs> you know, get attention or something. It's not, not at all like that. I totally respect the idea that you could have Jefferson ahead. And honestly, like you could, for me, there's some other guys, like if you want to go down that road, because I have Jefferson in a second tier with, three other players so okay who you get uh so one of them you can probably guess is stefan diggs i think sure. he's pretty clearly the third receiver in most people's view yeah he's third uh, for me. and then another one of them is one that i know that you love as well and that's cd lamb yep uh and the and the other one is the one that i think is probably the best value among like high-end receivers this season and that's mike evans um okay so for me that's that's the second tier those those four guys and uh you know, we talked about Jefferson already. Diggs, I feel like Diggs, it's kind of, he's, you know, you can't really poke any holes in Stephon Diggs. I mean, he's no. like such a good player, such a solid player year after year and um, in a fantastic offense. Um, so, you know, I just think the only thing there, of course, is, you know, there will be targets spread around a little bit. Um, but, uh, but I feel like he's got such a high floor, like um, he has to be there. And then uh, with Evans, I, I mean, I'm just really bullish on Evans because, uh, you know, Antonio Brown's not there anymore. Gronk isn't there anymore. Godwin is – the reports are positive, but he's still coming back from a pretty late-season ACL. I mean, like, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it 
take Godwin some time to get going, you know? And then as much as you want to hype up Russell Gage or like late career Julio Jones, like those guys are not in Mike Evans league at this stage <laughs> of their careers or in, in Gage's case in any stage of his career. So um, I think Evans is, and he's always been awesome in the red zone. I just think he's just going to put up huge, huge numbers this season uh, with uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. So yeah, Lamb, you can, I'll let you talk about, cause I know you're, you, you're on the same page with me there. Oh yeah. I love Lamb. It makes me think of Anchorman. I love Lamb. Every time <laughs> I think of Lamb, I think of, I love Lamb. Um, yeah, I do though. Uh, I mean, it comes, we've talked about him, I think in previous uh, episodes, but for me, it comes down to like, you know, Michael Gallup not being there in the first part of the season. James Washington probably is going to miss a couple months now. And Jalen Tolbert is a rookie and I'm excited about him and I've been moving him up my rankings, but I mean, we're talking about CeeDee Lamb is going to be like, he could get 160, 70 targets. Um, and Dalton Schultz might be the number two there. Right. Uh, so it, he's just going to get as many targets as he can get. And, you know, you, you mentioned Diggs. I love, I love Stefan Diggs. Like he was a, he was the number three, uh, fantasy wide receiver in 2020. He was number, I think eight or so last year, looking at half PPR, uh, 165, 166 targets. You know, the targets are going to be there. I think for Diggs too, even though like a lot of people like Gabriel Davis and Isaiah McKenzie and some of these guys, but yeah, Diggs is solid. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, we didn't really talk a lot up at the top of the show about strategy, but like think about these top guys. I'm actually probably not getting them a lot in drafts just because looking at this year, like I really like getting two running backs in the first three rounds. And that often means a running back in the first round for me. So talking about guys like Cup, Jefferson, uh, even Diggs, I think are all like first round picks and CeeDee Lamb is creeping in there. Like his ADP, I think is 13. So he's right there. Um, I don't know. I'm probably not getting a lot of these guys because I'm just looking at running back and we'll talk about running backs uh, next week, probably Monday. Um, but just wanted to just see what your kind of strategy, if you've done a couple drafts, uh, I, I like getting two two running backs in my first three three rounds. And that might be, mean getting Kelsey or Andrews with that third pick, but it might mean yeah. getting a receiver, but maybe not one of these top guys. Yeah, no, I absolutely 100% agree with you. Um, I've got an article coming up uh, for Fantasy Pros uh, soon, which is a wide receiver positional preview article. And okay. I do lay out all my tiers there, but I also talk about at the top that the pretty much what you just said like i think that there's great value to be had with wide receivers in the early middle and just middle rounds of drafts so oh, yeah um you know people talk about the running back dead zone and it's mm-hmm. at the time that the running back position really falls off a cliff like the wide receiver position really flexes its depth and i think that that's you know, what I say in the article is that's basic math. I mean, like most teams <laughs> base set is an 11 personnel set, which is three wide. So yep. there are three wide receivers on the field for most plays in an NFL game. There's only one running back on the field. So um, there's just a lot more opportunity there for receivers, especially in good offense. Like you don't have to be the number one or even necessarily the number two receiver on your team to be a valuable uh, fantasy contributor. So uh, there's just, I mean, like on today's show, we're going to probably go 80 wide receivers deep and <laughs> I can go into the sixties and still feel pretty excited about a lot of those guys. So for that reason, yeah, I agree with you. Like I'm not going to have a lot of Cooper cup. I'm not going to have a lot of Justin Jefferson or Stevon Diggs. Mike Evans is the one guy I feel like I might get because yep. I'm a lot higher on him than consensus. I feel like he's going in the third round of drafts and like, if I went running back, running back in the first two rounds and he was sitting there for me in the third, I'd be like really happy with uh, how my draft was going. Yeah. And looking at uh, 
expert consensus consensus ranking on uh, Fantasy Pros. You have him as your wide receiver four. He's the ECR wide receiver eight. So yeah, even versus some of the other experts, you have him pretty high. So yeah, those are the kinds of guys that you'll you'll get in drafts who are kind of your guys like we were talking about. Um, yep. I'll say that. So I have I have Diggs and Devontae Adams actually in a, a small tier there, and I've been I've been going back and forth on Devontae Adams because he does. He does have some risk, right? <laughs> a lot of risk going from Green Bay um, to uh, Vegas with Carr. Um, but I just, I don't know. I don't know that there's going to be a huge drop-off. Um, when we get to Tyreek Hill, I've, I've dropped him off quite a bit. But I just haven't dropped Devontae Adams down quite as much. I think it's easy to make the case for it. If you tell me Devontae is like your wide receiver 10, I'm fine with it. But right now I have him as my wide receiver 4. I think he's also going to get... All the targets he can get. Um, I think Waller's targets are going to go down. I think Renfro's going to see fewer looks. I think Adams is going to continue to be that guy. Um, I don't think he'll get 15 touchdowns, but I think he can still be a top five wide receiver. So I've got him at four in a little mini tier with Diggs. What do you think about Devontae? Where do you have him? Uh, I I have him a little lower. I have him as my uh, wide receiver seven, but he is in a, a lower tier for me than, than the guys I mentioned before. And I love Devontae Adams. I mean, like he is one of my favorite players in football. He has single-handedly won me fantasy championships in the past. <laughs> like I love Devonte Adams. I think he's such a talented player. I don't think like he's at a you know any sort of age cliff or decline in talent or anything like that. I think he's still the best receiver in the game, just in a pure ability um, and craft of the position standpoint. But uh, I do think that he is getting a significant downgrade. It's no offense to Derek Carr. Like I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback, but Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is like a hall of fame, <laughs> upper echelon quarterback. Uh, the Packers had not much at all behind Devonte Adams. The, uh, the Raiders have Hunter Renfro, who has been fantastic for them the last couple of years. They have Darren Waller, who is a massive red zone threat and one of the better receiving tight ends in the game so I I think he's gonna I mean he'll lead the team in targets he's still gonna have a good season but I, I think it's a pretty significant downgrade and I'm more inclined to put him in a tier with guys with other guys who you mentioned Tyreek Hill I think he belongs in a tier with Tyreek Hill um, where there's some questions about how big the downgrade is going to affect the fantasy value um, I think you know AJ Brown is in that tier as well I think uh, Debo Samuel didn't switch teams, but he's in that tier for me as well because of the quarterback switch there. So um, guys like that, I uh, I just have them a tier lower. I have them in the same tier with uh, the Bengal receivers, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, mm -hmm. and also Keenan Allen, who's just like the classic like high floor, low ceiling, <laughs> like low end wide receiver one type. Um, so that rounds out like my top twelve receivers. Um, so it's no it's no hate on Adams. I just um, I just don't see like that massive, massive season coming from him this year. Yeah, and I think talking about the top guys, I think there is a clear number, uh, you know, top three, like we mentioned, uh, Cup, Jefferson, Diggs in some kind of order. Uh, I think most people have Diggs three. Uh, like I said, my my tier three after Diggs and Adams, I'll just give you that little tier I have. I have CeeDee Lamb, who you mentioned. Then I have, I have the Bengals receivers in here. I have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. But right in between them, I have Michael Pittman Jr. as my wide receiver seven. I keep moving him up. Like, I probably had him as my, my wide receiver 15 or so three weeks ago, but I don't know, man. I just keep moving him up as I start looking and splitting hairs and look like I just keep analyzing. I'm doing mock drafts. I, I did one real draft. So as I start, as you start like 
doing real drafts and even mock drafts, you start going, okay, who would I take this guy over that guy? And I keep reaching it for Michael Pittman. And the good news is you don't have to take him in round two. You can get him in round three, um, which I mean, I think, I think is a steal. Um, I have him, like I said, wide receiver seven. I'm, I think the EC, let's see what the ECR is on him. Wide receiver 13. So even versus the other experts and, and Higgins too, I have T Higgins four spots higher than the ECR. So I like those guys as far as Higgins versus Chase. I think we've talked about them a little bit on other shows. I see them as very similar, kind of 1A, 1B, or whatever, what have you. Higgins was actually better kind of in the second half. I think Chase has these big blow-up games. At least he did his rookie year. We'll see how year two, you know, pans out. But I think I just, I like Higgins. I like these guys who are more consistent and give you that nice floor week to week and still have games where they might have, you know, 120 yards and a touchdown or two. But mm-hmm. he just Higgins just is so consistent. And I love those guys because it's a weekly game, and I like having, you know, just trying to hit whatever number that is in your league, whether it's 100 or 150, you know, your league and your rules. But you know, there's like a magic number where if you hit it, you're probably going to win or, or, or have a good shot. And Higgins, I just, I don't know, I just love his consistency and his production. Yeah, I totally get that, and I'm with you. Honestly, I don't. Uh, I, I think most of the industry is is not with us on this. Like most yeah, of people like, love Jamar Chase. Chase. Like is. There's people that have him right there with Cup and yep. uh, Jefferson. I mean, ahead of Diggs, uh, a lot of people. Uh, so I think we're kind of out on a limb a little bit with this, but I'm I totally agree. I mean, last season uh, Jamar Chase had five touchdowns of 50 yards or more. <laughs> like that's just not something that you can count on. That's no. I, I don't care how talented he is. Like that's not something that happens, you know. Um, and uh, also, T. Higgins missed three games last year, and he still only had 18 fewer targets uh, than Chase did. And from week 12 on, uh, Higgins averaged more targets, catches, yards, and fantasy points than Chase. And that's even true despite the fact that Chase had a game where he had 11 catches for 266 yards and three touchdowns <laughs> against the Chiefs oh in my gosh. 17. So yeah. even with that crazy game, like Higgins was still the better fantasy receiver from week 12 on. So... Um, they're separated like two rounds in in drafts right now, and I think that's that's crazy sauce, really. I, yeah. Like they should be going pretty much back to back. Yep, and I'll, I'll just say on Michael Pittman. I mean, I look at his season last year. He had 129 targets, uh, 88 receptions. He had just six touchdowns. Which honestly, with Matt Ryan there, I don't know. I just I love Michael Pittman. I think he can. I think he could double that as far as receiving touchdowns. I know touchdowns can be fluky a little bit, but he's a guy that can go up and and get it. And we've seen what Matt Ryan has done with guys like Roddy White and Julio Jones and like I feel like there are certain quarterbacks whether it's Matt Ryan whether it's Kirk Cousins some of these guys who are just sort of like average quarterbacks real life too sometimes they get tunnel vision and that can be really good for fantasy and I I just think Michael Pittman could have a very successful season I think his ceiling is like you know wide receiver two or three I I really do and so I think putting him in my top 10 I'm gonna get a lot of Michael Pittman this year I just yeah no I totally respect your 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 take on Michael Pittman and uh it's you know you mentioned how you keep moving him up you kind of have to because he was a trendy breakout uh player this year for a lot of people but um they don't have him as high as you have him so I think you firmly staked out your claim to Michael Pittman (laughs) at being the Michael Pittman guy you know Um, because I really like him too I have him leading off my next tier so I have him at wide receiver 13 um but for me it's more just like a I just need to see it to to pay for it, I guess, with him a little more. Like I, I equate him to um, Cortland Sutton actually because I have him in the same tier, and uh, they just seem similar to me in certain ways. Like 
I I would take Pittman first because he's clearly the number one guy in his in his passing attack. Whereas Sutton, it's a little more vague, but it looks like Sutton is the number one guy in Denver, and he's got the better quarterback. And both of them, you're kind of like in order for them to be a top fifteen ish. Uh, receiver they have to produce like better as well or better than they've ever done before but I think they both can do it so like um, I don't have a problem taking either of those guys like as a top 15 wide receiver I just uh, like I guess for me it's just with Pittman I just it's hard for me to put him ahead of uh, guys who have just already had superstar seasons you know I I just want to see it yeah first I mean, I Pitt- Pittman was the wide receiver 15 in half PPR leagues. He played all 17 games, so, you know, that does help him. Uh, you know, he probably wasn't that for, for fantasy points per game. But, you know, to, fin- to go from, like, a top 15 to a top 10, I mean, that's not a, it's not a huge leap. You know? Yeah, I mean, he was wide receiver 25 in points per game, though. Right. So, so right. So Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> there's a couple guys on there, like Antonio Brown and Robert Woods, who played fewer than 10 games. But, I mean, most of these guys played – 14 at plus games yeah. so yeah i mean i think listen i don't have a problem with you projecting a breakout i i do think though that it would require something of a breakout for him to um be where you have him ranked yep absolutely so let me let me give you real quick so you mentioned a few guys in my next tier uh, my number nine through 12 i have keenan allen mike evans who you're really high on i like it but i have him at like i actually had him a couple spots higher and i moved him slightly down as chris godwin got healthy and when they signed julio i just moved him a couple spots down but uh, then I have Debo and AJ Brown, so that's kind of my next tier to round out my top twelve. Um, but you mentioned you mentioned Cortland Sutton. I have him at wide receiver twenty three, and I have Jerry Judy at twenty five. So I have those guys really close. But you have Cortland Sutton like well above Judy. So you, you're I feel like you're kind of planting your flag and saying, look, Sutton's going to be Russell Wilson's guy. And I I don't know. I'm just kind of like I don't know. <laughs> I'm more of the I don't really know. I think Cortland Sutton definitely has more like the prototypical. Uh, maybe what what Russell Wilson is looking for, and he can get the touchdowns. And Judy maybe maybe hasn't shown shown it like what Cortland Sutton has done. I think it's also possible. I mean, KJ Hamler's way down our list, but like he could be the guy who gets who breaks out and has a lot of you know these deep touchdowns. But in any event, I maybe can you sell me on Sutton and why he why you like him so much more than Judy? Uh, it's basically just reports that have been coming out of Denver training camp that like. Russell Wilson only has eyes for Sutton and like okay he he's just like he's like honing in on Sutton he's targeting Sutton relentlessly um I think yeah Patrick Sertan quote Wilson has thrown a lot to Sutton when we've been battling like you know it's just like basically there's been a, a string of reports that have just sort of come out and suggested that Sutton has the upper hand I also just I don't know I like you said I, just in terms of the type of receiver like I like Sutton's uh prototype a little more i mean maybe like sutton is the dk metcalf and right judy is the is the um why am i blanking on his lockett. name no, tyler lockett <laughs> you know um so maybe it's that but i for me it's a it's like somebody is going to be the number one in denver and like whoever it is is probably going to outproduce their draft uh spot by a lot because i think this offense is going to be like fire you know i mean yeah i've just i, I feel like Russell Wilson has been like stuck <laughs> in Seattle having to deal with Pete Carroll for all these years and wanting to cook and been constantly like he gets to go in the kitchen for an hour and make <laughs> something and then gets booted out and he wants to go back in and that, you know I feel like this offense is just going to be tailored to 
Russell Wilson making plays with his arm, getting out of the pocket, making plays, just like it's going to be a really explosive offense. And whoever the number one guy is there, I think has massive, massive upside. So like if I knew for certain that Sutton was the number one guy, I'd have him even higher than this. But like, yeah, I'm, this is actually accounting for the fact that, you know, Judy is also a good player and there's going to be some competition. But I also think with like Tim Patrick out that there's more opportunity for both of them to be good. So like, even if like Judy somehow ended up getting more targets than Sutton and more high value targets, like I still think Sutton, his floor wouldn't be that bad, you know? So mm-hmm. um, I feel like he's got like, I, I think that they both have like a, a wide receiver two ish kind of floor at this point. And, but Sutton is the one I feel like has just more upside. Cause it seems like he's, he's the number one guy right now. Well, I think there's a couple other offenses we'll get into in a bit further down where if you knew who the number one was, you'd definitely move them up uh, even more probably. And that's like Kansas City and Green Bay, right? Like we don't really know who's going to be the, re- the number one receiver there. Uh, people have different ideas based on camp reports and things like that, previous history. But um, yeah, I guess I've kind of done that with these two where I'm just like a little timid in my ranking. I'll admit it. So I have them kind of down in the kind of in the what barely in sort in that wide receiver two range like kind of rounding out my top 24 and i have them like yeah. close together that's fair i just i mean with can i mean we'll get to those situations but i mean like green bay doesn't have very good receivers like they just don't have anyone yeah on the talent level of Cortland sutton and jerry judy and um and with kansas city i'm not sure they do either but they also just have more options you know it's messier there's just yeah. it's it's spread it could be spread out a lot more like you know i feel like if you look at the history with Russell Wilson, it was all to two guys, you know, like yeah, that's, that's what it point. was. Whereas with Patrick Mahomes, he loves to spread the ball around and get different guys involved, you know, and they, the, and Andy Reid likes it too. I mean, they, they rotate like four or five receivers. They've done it before. So, um, I, you know, I just think that could be a messy situation, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah. Anyone else we we've touched on briefly. We want to talk about, I mean, I think Debo Samuel is a major red flag for me. Like, I just I'm kind of down on the the San Francisco passing game in general. I think Trey Lance can be a great fantasy quarterback, but I'm not yep. I'm not bullish about this passing game. So like Debo was the wide receiver two last year. I moved I have him as wide receiver twelve. I couldn't bring myself to bring him lower than that, but I mean I'm not going to be getting him in any of my drafts where I have him ranked. Yeah, I have him as wide receiver eleven. I have Brandon Ayuk as wide receiver forty one, and I would I might even move Ayuk a little bit higher. I'd much rather get Ayuk later and pass on Debo because Ayuk finished the season strong. You know, he was kind of in Shanahan's doghouse in the beginning of the year, like super slow start, but had a good finish. If he's, you know, if he kind of has a season this year, like he finished last year, um, or even like, I mean, he and there's kind of the, you mentioned the off season stuff. I feel like he and Lance have been doing workouts together. We've been seeing some of that on Twitter. So I I, I much rather get Ayuk much later than Debo. So I'm with you yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super in on Ayuk either, just, or George Kittle for that matter, but I agree <laughs> yeah. with you. I'd rather spend a later pick on Ayuk. Um, yeah. I, so A.J. Brown is like the one guy that switched teams who I'm not really out on um, yeah. because, well, it's for a couple reasons. One, like, unlike Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill and Debo Samuel, like, I don't think it's clear that he's getting a downgrade at quarterback. I think it's – I mean – because we have to remember, like, Ryan Tannehill <laughs> really struggled last season. It was not one of his better seasons. So, And I also just feel like A.J. Brown is, like, the type of talent that, like, transcends quarterback play, sort of. Um, yep. He's just such a freak of nature. So um, I feel like that was a little more of a lateral move. And uh, I'm, 
you know, I'm a little more bullish on 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 the uh, Eagles passing game than the 49ers, for example. Like I think like Hertz has that extra experience that that Lance doesn't have yet. Um, so uh, you know, I think I mean I still have Brown in this tier with like you know these other these other receivers who got downgrades, but like um, I, I just don't like his ADP to me is more. Um, more manageable, more reasonable um, than than those other guys who are who are going like in the first or second round. Yeah, I, I expect the Eagles to pass a little more this year. I mean, you mentioned the Niners; they were in the bottom five uh, of pass attempts last year. I was looking at that earlier. So yeah, and I think I think I think the Niners will probably have the fewest pass attempts in the league this year potentially. Like, yeah, I think Lance is going to run more, you know, stuff like that. So so yeah, right, and Lance could get a lot of the rushing work that Debo got last year too. Yeah. Which I mean, the rushing stuff was huge for Debo last year, and it just like he he recently said like he never he denied that he ever like told them he doesn't want to be used that way anymore and maybe that's true but whether it's his idea or the teams like I don't I just don't like the way he was used last year was so unusual for a wide receiver that I just yeah. don't see that repeating again and I think especially with a running quarterback taking over like I think it's a natural fit for Lance to just take on a lot of that rushing work that the Debo was handling yeah, so let me go ahead and, uh, I mean, we've been talking for a while about, what, 12 receivers, <laughs> 15 receivers? Yeah. Um, let me give you let me give you my next tier, and maybe let's talk about a couple guys in them. My next tier, uh, 13 through 20, I have Tyreek Hill, I have Brandon Cooks, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson, Deontay Johnson, and then I have DK Metcalf and Jalen Waddell, who, you know, you could talk me out of probably having them in this tier, to be honest. No, um, I love DK Metcalf. I'm, you do? I'll talk you into him, not out of Okay, yeah. well, maybe, like... Let me mention two guys, and then let's talk DK Metcalf. Two guys here who I have well above ADP, but maybe not ECR. Uh, Brandon Cooks and Allen Robinson. Um, Brandon Cooks has been a top twenty wide receiver uh, each of his years in uh, with the Texans. So, and like you know, with Mechie get, you know, having the uh, the illness, uh, he's he's coming off an injury, and then he's dealing with the illness, he's out for the year. Um, I mean, they have Nico Collins there, but like he's clearly the number one. Uh, Davis Mills, we've talked about before, as being a serviceable quarterback who could take a year two leap. I love Cooks. I think a lot of people aren't going to want to like draft Cooks because just fatigue and be like, eh, I'm not. Eh, I'd rather get a guy with more upside or this or that. But I'm all about Cooks, and I love Allen Robinson uh, in LA as long as Stafford el- Stafford's elbow <laughs> holds up. I, I've always loved Allen Robinson. I think he's stepping into a much better situation, much like Stafford did last year coming from Detroit to LA and I think Allen Robinson could be doing the same thing and have a huge year. So I love those guys at their ADP. Yeah, I totally agree on Robinson. Um, I recently uh, contributed to a fantasy pros article where they asked us all to name our best uh, value pick um, at all the different positions. And I mm-hmm. picked Robinson as my best value um, at wide receiver. Cause he's going in the sixth round of fantasy drafts. And mm. uh, I, I agree. I think he was just like checked out in Chicago and it's kind of hard to blame him. And um also just like that team was such a train wreck and like the coaching staff was so in over their head and it was just like um and Justin Fields like god bless him but I mean he wasn't he wasn't quite ready yet and uh it just it wasn't it just wasn't to be last season but um I think it's a a great change of scenery for him and we've seen constantly with McVay's offense that like it can support two top twenty-four receivers. So, I mean, Woods was underrated for years for that for that reason, and uh, I think Robinson. It's the same. It's the same situation, really. And really, the upside is even higher since Stafford is there. I mean, even when Jared Goff was there, McVay's offenses were supporting two uh, 
two really strong fantasy receivers. So yep. um, I'm definitely on board uh, with Robinson. As far as Cooks, I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't really argue it. I have him at wide receiver 22. Um, yeah, and in just one tier lower. It's just because there's a few other guys. I'm just a little more into. I guess I just, uh, I guess what for me the issue with Cooks is I don't really see like the upside so much. Like I don't see. The, I don't see how he finishes as like a top twelve receiver. You know, I think yeah. he could easily finish as a top twenty guy again. But yep. uh, I just, I just don't. He's kind of like high floor, low ceiling. He's he's sort of like um, a poor man's Keenan Allen for me, I guess. Um, so absolutely, yeah. So that's why I just have him a little bit lower. But um, well, tell we me did, about DK Metcalf yeah. because you have him as your wide receiver fourteen. I'm looking at like versus ECR up on Fantasy Pros, so you have him seven spots higher than ECR. So are you going to tell me that he's like really good with Geno Smith or something? Or what's the deal here? <laughs> no, although I, he, I I think he actually was pretty decent with Geno Smith last season in their what three games together or something like that. But um, that's not my main argument. My main argument is just that DK Metcalf is that good. You know, yeah. it's like it's sort of like what I said about AJ Brown before. I feel the same way about DK Metcalf. Like he's he's the kind of talent that can like transcend the quarterback play to some extent. And um, I feel like if I was going to downgrade you know, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill and Debo Samuel because of their quarterback situations. Like, you know, I did that with Metcalf as well. He's a tier lower than those guys for me. But, like, he's every bit as talented as most of those guys, you know? Like, I yeah. mean, he's truly a special talent. Like, I, I feel like he's going – like, the place in drafts where he's going to me just seems a little bit insane because, like, we just – like – you know, everyone dunks on the on the Seahawks. They're gonna have terrible quarterback play, et cetera, et cetera. But we can't. We're not as good, like people are not as good at predicting these things as they think they are. Like <laughs> the one thing we do know is that this guy is like super talented, and like he can he can pay off in any given week based on one play. You know, like that's that's how good DK Metcalf is. So, like to have him behind guys who you know don't have the same. A, a, anywhere close to the, the the ability that he has like I just I can't do it you know what I mean like I'll I'll take my chances and and you know maybe the Seahawks end up getting some sort of uh quarterback upgrade at, at some point you know and um and maybe it's you know it doesn't necessarily even need to be a great quarterback it just needs to be a guy that's willing to throw the ball <laughs> that's willing to give him a chance because like he can make the plays you know he doesn't need a perfectly thrown ball uh to make the plays so um, you know, I to to me to have him like as a mid-range wide receiver too, like given how skilled he is, like to me that's acknowledging the fact that he's not going to have great quarterback play. Okay, well let me mention two more guys real quick. I just wanted to talk about DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin, uh, just to say you know both guys were basically like right around top twelve in targets last year. Uh, McLaurin was actually thirteenth, it looks like, but uh, he had one hundred and thirty targets, only seventy-seven receptions. So under 60%, uh, DJ Moore caught 93 of his 163 targets, so 57%. I think both of these guys uh, could be in better quarterback situations. So if the targets are there, um, I mean, you could argue it either way. But, like, I do think that Baker and Carson Wentz might actually be a slight upgrade. Um, but these guys are going to get the targets. So I, I like having volume, especially if I'm, like, going running back, running back, maybe tight end or something, and then one of these guys is available. I want to get someone with volume. And they might not be the flashiest guys, but they could be, you know, around wide receiver 12 or so and be a solid player for you. So mm-hmm. that's my that's my two cents on those two guys. Okay, fair. Yeah, I mean, like, 
I have them. So basically what I decided to do was like tier a bunch of guys who are like the clear number one receiver in what projects to be average to below average passing offenses. Okay. And for me, that's McLaurin. It's Cooks. It's um, it's DJ Moore. It's Amari Cooper. It's mm. um, uh, it's uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. It's Rashad Bateman. It's Christian Kirk. It's Robert Woods. <laughs> it's Darnell Mooney. <laughs> you know, it's deep. It's uh, maybe even Elijah Moore uh, with the Jets. So to me, there's a lot of guys like they it, that fall into that category. And I, like any of them could be wide receiver twos. I have a hard time seeing how any of them get to wide receiver one value, just given their offensive situations. So, so where, where are they for you? Like number wise, like where is that tier? Where, uh, so it starts around, uh, t- it starts around 21 wide receiver 21 okay. and it goes to, I mean, I have some other players in that tier too. This is my fifth tier and it's a big one. So okay. in addition to those guys, it has some other guys kind of like Judy, who we mentioned before, um, Marquise Brown, Gabriel Davis, Chris Godwin, uh, Jalen Waddell, Juju, uh, Thielen, you know, guys. So it has like some second receivers on good offenses. It um, it has some like guys that are just kind of um, special talents, I guess you could say. Um, and then uh, and then it has these these kind of uh, first first receivers on the, on the uh, rougher offenses. So I have a few guys ahead of that group of people that we haven't talked about yet, which is Michael Thomas. Mike Williams and Deontay Johnson. Um, now, I guess you could say that Deontay Johnson it maybe belongs in that other category as well because I, I yeah. don't have a lot of faith in Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, honestly. But I just think he's been so good <laughs> the last couple of years. Like, and and it's not like Ben Roethlisberger was like a superstar quarterback the last couple of years, you know. So I'm just impressed with what Deontay Johnson has been able to do um and it's like it's always very short routes like he just is uncoverable within the like 10 yards of the line of scrimmage you know what i mean and gets a lot of yards after catch and things like that so i think he can still do that um with trubisky or with Pickett. so that's why he's he's a little ahead of that that other group for me and then you know michael thomas uh i'm 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 really in on michael thomas this year it's all the reports are really positive like you know I'm in on Jameis. We talked about that in the last show. So yep. I think this is going to be a really strong passing offense. And I think Michael Thomas is clearly going to be the number one guy there. Um, so I think he's a guy that absolutely has wide receiver one upside. Um, I mean, we, he was the overall number one wide receiver <laughs> the last time that he played a healthy season. So, yeah, um, you know, th- there's definitely some risk. I won't deny it. But I the upside is massive with him. And then Mike Williams, like... You know, I think uh, it's just a great offense. And, um, you know, well, Keenan Allen's going to be the more consistent guy week to week. I mean, Mike Williams was the wide receiver 10 last year, and he's barely going among the top 20 wide receivers this year. So, like, I could see a little bit of regression for him in terms of big plays, touchdowns, and things like that, and he could still pay off at his ADP. But I've seen some analysts out there ranking Williams ahead of Keenan Allen. So, and, and some of that is, like, what he did last year, of course, some of it's like his age, right? Some people probably look at Keenan Allen and think, well, he's maybe more likely to get injured or he's just older, lost a step, whatever. But yeah, I, 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 we both have Keenan Allen higher than Williams, but did want to point that out. Some people, you know, haven't flipped. Um, yeah. You know. I think the big thing is like the chargers are going to support two yes. top 24 receivers. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for sure. Uh, wanted to mention, uh, I think Deontay Johnson, when you mentioned him, like, I think he absolutely fits in a similar tier with, Terry McLaurin and DJ Moore. I, I think you mentioned you hit it, you know, nail on the head with like Trubisky and Pickett. I mean, 
I think he will have the targets. What what will he do with them? <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah, like my next tier, getting down into the twenties, um, Darnell Mooney, Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton. I have Rashad Bateman up there as well, and then I mentioned Jerry Judy. Then I have Michael Thomas. Um, yeah, Bateman is a guy we haven't said his name yet. I don't think I mentioned him, but Did yeah, you? okay. Like, yeah, in that group of like number one receivers on what aren't going to be great yeah. passing offenses, right? Yeah. And like Lamar's fine, but yeah, we expect this to be a high r- rushing attack. Bateman. I mean, this is one of those scenarios where, I mean, I obviously expect Bateman to be the guy, uh, other than Mark Andrews, of course. But, um, I mean, there's a non-zero chance it's not him, right? Or that, like, it's James Proch or it's Devin Duvernay or something. It probably won't be, but, like, Bateman is really stepping into this role. Um, We haven't seen him be the number one guy. So, a lot of projections. He is the best talent in that wide receiver group, probably by a long shot. So it's easy to project that, but um, yeah, I have him like in my top, I think 25 or so. So I have him in this tier. I I like him as like to take that leap, but man, it kind of makes me nervous a little bit just because you are taking a leap of faith saying that this second year guy is going to take that leap. I mean, we're basically saying you're drafting him, uh, saying he will be the number one in an offense that probably is not going to pass it a lot. So it's a little risky there, I think, but that's what I have him. Yeah. I mean, I don't have him ranked um that differently than you but um i agree i mean i i much prefer even though i have them in the same tier like i definitely would rank terry mclaurin dj moore brandon cooks those guys uh, ahead of him uh, even amari cooper too i mean just because i you know these these guys have all done it before you know what i mean so it's like i feel like with bateman you have two different types of risk you have the risk of just the ravens just not passing the ball very much. Uh, and when they do throwing to Mark Andrews, and then you also have the, what you mentioned, like the depth chart issue, like he's just not established, you know, like those other guys are all established. They're clearly going to be the number one target in their offenses. And I just don't, I don't think we can say that about Bateman. So uh, it's not a great combo, you know, like I can deal with Judy potentially not, not being the number one guy because it's going to be what I think is a great offense, you know, but uh, for passing, but uh, I just don't feel that way about Baltimore. I think they're going to run and run and run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just wanted to point out a couple of discrepancies just between you and I in those tiers of guys we just talked about. You have Michael Thomas about 20 spots higher in your overall rankings than I do. And I have Darnell Moody about 30 spots higher than you do in my overall. So, gosh, I don't know if I'm the Darnell Moody guy. Well, but... can you make a case for him? Because to me, he like he he also fits in that Bateman category and and i actually have him even lower because i'm really concerned about that that bears offense (laughs) yeah i guess it's just like you know i'm just looking at last year he was the wide receiver 24 in half ppr formats just behind t higgins and marquise brown he did play all 17 games he had 140 targets 81 catches 1055 yards just four touchdowns um you know cole Komet was another guy who i don't think Komet even had a had a touchdown last year so yeah so like I mean, if the Bears improve, I mean, you kind of have to look at offense. I mean, think about the Bengals last year. I'm not saying the Bears are going to be the Bengals, but, like, they have a new coaching staff. Like, Matt Nagy's gone. Like, it's possible that, like, they actually tailor the offense around Justin Fields, and they look better. So there's a chance that they're better. Um, There's a chance that Cole Komet has four or five touchdowns. There's a chance that Darnell Mooney has six or seven touchdowns. So I think Darnell Mooney is clearly the number one. There's a bunch of guys after him, like Velas Jones, who they drafted, who I don't like. Um, Equinemius St. Brown, who they got. Byron Pringle, 
there's all these guys who are just like not very good. So I think Darnell Mooney kind of fits in that category. Like you, you mentioned with Bateman. So for me, he's up there kind of with Bateman. I think he's just behind. So I have Darnell Mooney, like wide receiver 21, Bateman 24. So they're in that same area for me. I, I mean, they're in the same area for me too. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I your point is taken that the the Bears depth chart is disgusting, <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't know if that's necessarily like I just uh, Mooney is not like he does not profile as a typical number one. Like he doesn't, and uh, you know I feel like he filled a void last year. And it, even there, I mean, in points per game, he was only the wide receiver thirty two. So again, like the seventeen games kind of does the- skew it a little bit, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I he's fine. I, I would rather him be like my wide receiver three than my wide receiver two for sure, though. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, you said he filled that void. I think he will again. You know, if you look at the roster, I think he fills that void again this year. We'll see what happens at you know in twenty twenty three and beyond. I could see him like not being a great dynasty <laughs> stash. You know, like you said, like not a prototypical guy. So, but I, I like him for redraft. I really do. I mean, I have him in the same tier as McLaurin and Cooks and DJ Moore, so I'm not like yeah. hating on him. I just I have him about ten spots lower than those guys. It's just um, it's 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 a group of type of player. I just I just like the situations for those other guys more. Well, you mentioned Amari Cooper. Let me mention him real quick. I have I've moved him down to my wide receiver thirty. I'm just I don't know. You mentioned Watson being back for like maybe you'd already kind of factored in and moved him down. I, I keep moving him down so. I just I don't really like the idea of Jacoby Brissett throwing to him for eleven weeks. Um, <laughs> just, but but I mean, why you really think that? Like, I, I mean, I guess you're just buying a Justin Fields breakout then, because like, I'm not sure Justin Fields is going to be that much better of a passer than Jacoby Brissett this season. I think yeah. Justin Fields is going to be a much better fantasy player because of his rushing ability. But I, I mean, and yes, he has the upside. He has the potential. Yeah, I, yeah, guess, I guess, but. It's, yeah. I don't know. I I feel like it's just like they did not surround Justin Fields with what they needed to for him to take that step this year. I'm just sort of I'm betting <laughs> against it, I guess. They did bring in a lot of receivers with weird names. I mean, come on, man. That's something. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I am. I'm kind of projecting Fields to be better with a different coaching staff who hopefully tailors to him a little bit, a little bit more. You're right. I think he will be better for fantasy Fields. Um, but, yeah, I'm thinking he can – it's just his second year. So, yeah. Brissett's been around a long time. We know what he is, and he might be fine. Uh, maybe, maybe when it's all said and done, Amari Cooper will be like a top twenty wide receiver. But think about what Amari Cooper has been in the past, and like even in the past, he's not been really good on like points per game. And he has these weeks when he was in Dallas, where you know he would just disappear, and he'd have these big games. I've never been one to really like. So I'm just kind of taking my previous year's biases too, and just lowering Amari Cooper <laughs> for all the reasons. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to disagree on that. I think That's Amari right. Cooper is a pretty good player. I think he's been a consistent wide receiver too, and um, you know that's having to share targets a lot. I mean, granted, like the Cowboys going to have more passing volume than the Browns, but um, he's clearly the number one guy in Cleveland. And also, let's remember, I mean, if Watson is only missing eleven games, that means he's back for more than a third of the fantasy season, including the playoffs, which are the yeah. fantasy playoffs, which is the most important part. So, um, you know, that that's not insignificant. You know what I mean? Like, but I you think have to Amari get your Cooper little could, fake team there. I mean, he could easily be like, a, like, what's that? I said, you got to get your little fake team there, though, to the playoffs. So, and you're going to have Amari Cooper, which, you know, the whole thing is like, get to the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, but people are, I mean, yeah. people are not, like, 
in on Amari Cooper. Like he's a, I think he's actually a good value right now. Yeah. I mean, he's he's, he will this, he's a his ADP is like sixty eight right now. I mean, and falling probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I think like he's behind like who's he behind? I don't know. Like, um, well, he's right next to Darnell Mooney. So I guess that's the debate, right? <laughs> like they're back to back. I mean, to me, I would definitely take Cooper, but I'll take um, Mooney. We can have okay. a little, I we can we have a little gentleman's bet. bet. That. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and we can move on. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm trying to think who, who are some other good guys to talk about here. Um, you know, I think we've, we've kind of talked about these guys that are like the, the number one guy on not so great offenses. I, I want to talk about um, Marquise Brown. I want to talk okay. about Gabriel Davis. And I want to talk about Jalen Waddle. So um, Hollywood Brown, I, like I think he's going to like have some huge, huge games while DeAndre Hopkins is out uh, for the first six weeks. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, you know, I just, I mean, you just look at. Uh, I feel like he and I mean he and Kyler are really close, and I think like also he's the kind of receiver that fits with Kyler because Kyler loves to just scramble around and buy time and then like heave the ball <laughs> way down the field. And like Marquise Brown is like, has that game breaking speed. I can mm-hmm. just see him catching some very long touchdown passes early in the year. Um, the question though, is what happens when Hopkins comes back? Because uh, I mean, we also saw uh, Kyler and Hopkins hook up on some of those kind of plays uh, last season. And um yeah, I just, I mean, Hopkins is such an accomplished guy. Like, you know, does does Marquise Brown become more of like a situational deep threat kind of a receiver um, once once Hopkins is back? So that's kind of my concern, or else I would have uh, Marquise Brown up a tier at least. I, you know, I, it's fair to wonder, but I think the flip side of that is like, if you look at DeAndre Hopkins last year, he didn't have a game with over 87 receiving yards. <laughs> like you know when he I know he dealt with some injury he was out like the month of November he came back and really didn't do a whole lot um the last couple he like people were plugging him in probably to their fantasy championships and that probably didn't get much out of Hopkins so it's fair to think that like he could come back from his six game suspension and not be that great I mean he's getting up there in age um you know he's he's what he's 30 I mean I guess he's not that old but we've seen guys kind of fall off at 30 um, I think that's possible Marquise Brown is the number one receiver, especially considering, you know, Hopkins is missing six games. But I even think points per game for the Cardinals, I could see Marquise Brown being the number one receiver uh, for the Cardinals this year. So, yeah. 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 I um, I can't really argue with that. I, I, I just, I don't know. It's Hopkins is not like, I don't think he's done. You know what I mean? Last year, maybe he was kind of beat up, but I don't know. I still think like he, he's, he, like the gravity shifts towards him when he's back. So, yeah. Um, but maybe this offense is good enough that it doesn't matter. You know, maybe, maybe they can both have good games, especially if Kyler, you know, continues to progress as a passer. I mean, I talked about on the last show, um, how good he was in terms of completion percentage last year, which kind of surprised me a little bit. And, um, you know, maybe he's just a better passer than people give him credit for. Just, you know, sometimes these rushing quarterbacks, people assume they can't throw and that's not always the case. So, um, so yeah, I certainly don't hate the value on, on Marquise Brown, uh, Gabriel Davis. I'm curious where you have him. I mean, I think the upside is enormous, but um, yeah. it's just you know it's just a little uncertain, of course, because uh, last year with this offense, like you know, I guess he's like stepping into the Emmanuel Sanders role, and McKenzie is the one stepping into the Cole Beasley role, and 
as it turned out, the the Cole Beasley role was better <laughs> than the Emmanuel Sanders <laughs> yeah. role last year, even though Sanders was technically the wide receiver too. So that's one question, I guess. But I mean, we just saw Gabriel Davis have some enormous, enormous fantasy performances when given the opportunity last year. So like, I I just am very, very intrigued by the upside with him. Yeah, and you know he's a he's a year three guy. People like to look look at year two or year three kind of breakouts. Um, I think what sticks in everybody's head is that huge playoff game against Kansas City, right, where he had 200 yards and four touchdowns. So I think that and like the, that sticks in people's minds, and that's moving him up boards. I don't think he's really a value anymore because I mean a couple weeks ago Gabriel Davis was just like that was the thing trending on fantasy Twitter, right, and so. I just think he's moved up to the point. I have him at my wide receiver 32. Um, where is he? You know, where is he on ECR? He's got to be higher than that. I, I don't think that I have him higher than ECR, and so like I probably won't get him. Well, he's ECR he's 30. 30. Yeah. So it's right there. But I think in drafts, he's one of those guys that is kind of like that sexy pick. He's playing with Josh Allen, who's you know looking at becoming the number one fantasy quarterback again potentially. So. I don't think anybody's sleeping on him, of course. And if if anything, he's just like not much of a value. And I I really like finding values at this point in the draft. And I don't, yeah, I like I like the upside, but again, I don't think I'll draft him because like I tend to get guys here that like I have ranked like a round higher, and I just don't have him there. Mm-hmm. That's so, fair. I have yeah. him a little bit above consensus at twenty six. Um, okay, but yeah, I mean, I just I. I I, I do see that he's a little more volatile in that sense, but and I do like McKenzie a lot. And if I had to pick between the two, I mean McKenzie is going to be a really good value. So, but um, you know, if you're in a standard league, I think Gabriel Davis could have double-digit touchdowns. Um, I mean, obviously we saw four in that one game, but like he's right. a big guy. Like I think he could have ten or twelve touchdowns. Whereas McKenzie in a PPR league, you mentioned Beasley in that role, he might have just as much value <laughs> as Gabriel Davis. Uh, to right, be honest, right, so right. Been no, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, so, how about Jalen Waddle? I'm like, I, I mean, it sounds like you and I are both not the biggest uh, Tua Tagovailoa believers. Uh, yeah. So, like, I'm I'm pretty far out on Jalen Waddle for that reason. Like, I just, you know, I've downgraded Tyreek Hill, but uh, like Waddle, I've downgraded even more because I just like, I uh, I just, I mean, yes, he's talented, but like. He, being the number two receiver in that offense, I just don't think it's going to work out that great. Like, I, I don't think he's going to be able to provide wide receiver two value mm. um, in, in that offense. So I'm, like, way below consensus on him. I'm, I'm His ECR is uh, 16, and I have him at 30. Uh, well, I have him at 20, so I'm below ECR. But, yeah, I could – I mean, I get your argument. And, like, with Tyreek Hill coming in, I could easily, of course, see Waddle being the number two receiver – um, there's a chance that they're sort of like the one A and one B, but what does that mean in a with, with Tua um, in that offense? I, I don't know. I think I think Mike Gesicki. When we start talking about tight ends, I'm way down on him. I, I don't think he you know is even that relevant anymore for me. Anyway, I just don't see it. But he's yeah, always been Wa- a tease in fantasy. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, he has. But like you know, for Waddle, yeah, talents there. Um, it's one of those unfortunate situations, right, for fantasy where like. You're excited about a, a rookie, you know, after his really good year, and then you have this situation with Tyreek Hill coming in. It's great if you're a Dolphins fan, but like, yeah, for fantasy, I moved him down. I might move him down four or five spots more, to be honest. I don't know if I'll go all the way down to thirty, just because I like the talent. I like what we saw in year one, but yeah, 
definitely get your argument. I mean, he's one of those guys you could easily. The thing, one one thing I just want to point out here, we're talking about like big tiers, and so like yeah, I have him at twenty, you have him at thirty. There's actually not like they could be in the same tier, and I think uh, for us, so you want to get a guy kind of at the bottom of a tier. I think yeah. in these big tiers, if when you're drafting, right? Yeah, exactly. And for me, the guy that I compare him to is is Hunter Renfro because hmm. their stats were like almost the same last year. I mean, Waddle had 141 targets, Renfro had 128, Waddle caught 104, Renfro caught 103, uh, Waddle had a, uh, 1,015 yards, uh, Renfro had 1,038. Uh, Renfro actually had nine touchdowns and Waddle only had six. Um Although I guess he actually had a rushing touchdown as well. So it was pretty close. They actually, in points per game, they were virtually identical. And they were both clearly the number one receiver on their team last year. And now they're clearly the number <laughs> two receiver on their team. You're uh, making but to me, me wanna... the difference is like, I know Derek Carr, <laughs> I, like, I know what he is, you know, and I don't know what Tua is. So, like, for that reason, I, I actually could make a pretty good argument that Renfro is better than Waddle and the ADP is certainly not reflecting that. Yeah. You're making me want to make a tier of these guys. And I'm looking at Devonte Smith at, I have wide receiver 36, you know, with AJ Brown coming in, same kind of thing, like as Waddle, you know, he had a mm-hmm. really solid rookie year, even in a low, you know, volume passing attack with an average, maybe passing quarterback. Right. I mean, you could say the same about Tua and Jalen hurts. Um, but yeah, I've, I, I lowered him quite a bit. I have, um, I have Devonte Smith at or Devonta Smith at 36. I have Hunter Renfro, who you just mentioned, at 39. So similar territory. So, yeah, maybe I need to consider moving Waddle down a bit. I don't know if I can move him all the way down to that level, but yeah, <laughs> the point's taken. They're they're kind of similar situations. Yeah, I mean, I'm below consensus on Devonta Smith as well as Waddle. I'm I'm actually not necessarily below consensus on Renfro because I feel like he's the one that's that like everybody's kind of downgrading for some reason like i think it's because he's not like the the hyped young player that was like a high draft pick uh, or anything like that you know like waddle and smith were both had a lot of hype in dynasty circles and all that so for that reason i think people are giving them more credit (laughs) than they are renfro but that's crazy to me because renfro has actually been every bit as good if not better and he's got a better quarterback so well in, in terms of passing at least do we know who Derek Carr is having breakfast with? Do we know <laughs> who his kids are going to swim practice with? Do we know these things? Right. <laughs> that might be important, important questions. It's true. <laughs> like who's going to be the number one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we talked about Godwin as well. Um, yeah. Just real quick. I mean, the, the healthier he gets, I mean, he could shoot up my rankings. Like right now I've got him in this, you know, wide receiver 30 range. But mm-hmm. like, you know, if he does actually look healthy, like, uh, you know, I think he could easily be a top 15 or 20 wide receiver. Yeah. Um, I think I have him right down in that Michael Thomas range. Um, I think he kind of belongs, uh, you know, Michael Thomas. I think he and Michael Thomas were both, was it 2019 where they were both? I'm just looking at I think it was 2019 where they were both. Yeah. Michael Thomas was number one. Godwin was number two. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about guys who, you know, have dealt with some injuries in that time. Uh, Michael Thomas, you know, missing the whole season. Um, but yeah, I think they, to, for me, they're kind of in that same area. They're kind of in that wide receiver 26 to 30 range. But yes, I will continue to move both up as I, I see d- them being healthy. I see that comparison. I just think that Michael Thomas has uh, clear number one more upside than Godwin. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
when Godman finishes the wide receiver two that year, that was the year that like Jameis Winston played YOLO ball the whole year. And true, Bruce Arians was like, "Go ahead, I don't care if you throw thirty picks, just keep throwing." Well, so who's I, you know that was uh, now? what's that? Who's Michael Thomas's quarterback now? <laughs> well, right, exactly. Yeah. That's good for Michael Thomas then. That's right. right. <laughs> it all comes full circle. <laughs> um, who else to talk about here? I mean, like uh, we talked a little on the Kansas City situation. I mean, Juju is. He's got to be the top ranked receiver of the of the KC guys right now. I feel like, but not it's for me. not like I can't <laughs> confidently say it. You know, it's like I have him first, but like all it takes is like one like NBC Sports Edge or Fantasy Pros news blurb, and like yep. it'll be shooting somebody else ahead of him. I mean, I don't think Valdez Scantling has the skill set to be the 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 high target guy, so. It would have to be like a Sky Moore, I guess, to overtake him. But it, it could also just be like Kelsey gets an insane <laughs> amount of volume, and and then like all these other guys just kind of like eat, you know, eat into each other. So none of them are great. Yeah, I have no problem drafting Kelsey, you know, toward the end of the first round uh, for that reason, like you just said. But I actually do have MBS a couple spots higher than Juju, but I have them mm-hmm. both right there at like forty and forty-two with Brandon Ayuk sandwiched in between them and just below Hunter Renfro, who we were just talking about. But yeah, I I think you're right that, you know, Juju is the guy, again, talking about like standard versus PPR, right? If, and I'm doing half, so I'm kind of split in the middle and I have them, I have them kind of hedged right there, you know, close together in a PPR league. I would have Juju higher Uh, standard league. I'd have MBS because I think he'll catch some of the, like, I think he'll catch more touchdowns. Uh, I think he'll have more big plays. So I'm kind of splitting the difference there, but I do see, like there's been good reports from camp, but Juju also is dealing with a little knee thing right now. So again, these might change a little bit in the coming weeks, right? As like you said, we start seeing little more important things coming out. Maybe they play week two of the preseason and we can actually see some, some stuff on the field. So yeah, maybe TBD. I might move them around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess the issue I have with Valdez Scantling, is like, it's not like, it's not like we've never seen him with a great quarterback in a, in a True. prolific passing offense, you know, like that's all he's ever known. And he still has just been a maddening fantasy player. You know, I feel like he's like, he reminds me of like, you remember Torrey Smith back in the day? Like oh, he yeah. kind of reminds me of that. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he can have some huge games, but you, you're never going to know when they're coming. And when he doesn't catch that, like 70 yard touchdown pass, like he tends to just, do nothing at all you know what i mean so it's like i just don't like having players like that where you just have no idea when they're gonna it's just you don't get the value because like you're not gonna want to have them in your lineup every single week and you're not gonna know which weeks they're gonna they're gonna go off you know so like there he's much better for me in a like best ball format or something like that i just in a standard league i'm i'm just not quite there i i'm i'm curious who emerges as like mahomes is like kind of security blanket when like Kelsey's getting triple teamed or something that's basically what I'm looking for <laughs> and I feel like it's going to be Juju or Sky but we'll see yeah I also have uh I have Drake London in this area that guys were talking about I have Drake London as my wide receiver 38 I know he also uh had a knee injury I think it was a knee injury in this first preseason game which is not ideal <laughs> but as long as he's kind of ready for week one or two um and we were talking about the guy who was well, he was drafted in like the top 10 I believe he was definitely the first receiver taken um, Atlanta does not have a great quarterback situation, but they also don't have many wide receivers. This is another situation like, I don't know, kind of like a Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, you know, situation where it's like you have a clear number one, you know, best talent on the team, I think. And you have a very good tight end in the case of Pitts, a 
unicorn <laughs> tight end. So Kyle Pitts very likely will be the number one receiver, but I think Drake London, I kind of look at those two guys, London and Pitts, as sort of the 1A and 1B. I think London could have a really good rookie season. Uh, hopefully he can get healthy. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess if you want to be like a glass half full, it's like <laughs> yeah. maybe this situation isn't that different than the Baltimore situation with Bateman. Um, because it's like both teams are probably not going to have a ton of passing volume and they have like a tight end who is going to eat a big part of it, but they don't have anything else at wide receiver really. So kind of by default, like you, you would just kind of hope the number one receiver in these offenses can do enough to be fantasy viable. Um, I mean, I love Drake London from a dynasty perspective. Like he was my number one ranked receiver in this draft class, uh, for fantasy, um, but I just, uh, I think it's, uh, it could take a while. Like, you know, I, I, I just, I don't think Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter are going to um, put up prolific passing numbers. Like, you're going to be hoping they throw for like 220 yards in a good week or something. So there's not going to be that much to go around. Um, and for that reason, I kind of have London more grouped in with some other rookies. Like, I, you know, I think you can make a case for Sky Moore and Jalen Tolbert ahead of him. Um, I think also like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, Romeo Dobbs, <laughs> uh, like all these guys, <laughs> Traylon Burks too, Jahan Dotson, like all, Al, even Alec Pierce and George Pickens, like all of these guys, like you could put them all in a hat and, and pull them out. I don't, I can't tell you who's going to finish first among that group. I think it could go a lot of different ways. Um, I I do agree with you though that like London has the most clear opportunity it's just uh it's just kind of a gross situation though in atlanta well uh so let me ask you this so looking at your rookies i don't i don't have them grouped that way where i have like a rookie uh tier i just kind of have them mix you know i don't i don't really i don't know i don't have my wide receivers tiered that way but so i've got in this sort of 40 to 50 range i have some rookies i have london as my my top rookie and then a few picks later i have Traylon burks uh then i have chris olave as my number three rookie that i have ranked and I haven't put Dubs or Dobbs <laughs> ahead of Christian Watson just yet. Um, oh, I might do it. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> I might. I might. But like, it goes back to like what what do you what do you value in the preseason and all that? Like, it's hard to like kind of filter out some of the noise. I mean, there is some real stuff. We saw George Pickens in that week one. Like, I moved him up a lot. I've moved Jalen Tolbert up a lot. So uh, those are guys I've really taken action on. But like. I don't know with the Green Bay situation. I still look at it like they traded up and got Watson. Um, it's very possible. I mean, like we've talked about Romeo Dobbs before. Very possible he's the number one uh, receiver there, even ahead of Alan Lazard, much less Watson. But I still think eh, I'm not quite ready to do it yet. But who who do you have like sort of your top three rookies if you're looking at your rankings? So I didn't just do a rookie tier. I have some okay. non rookies in that tier as well. But I just think all those rookies are pretty close in value in my opinion. Um, I, I have Sky Moore as my top of that group, and then Tolbert, mm. and then Drake London. Like, to me, those are the mm. top three pretty clearly. Okay. Um, I, like, Garrett Wilson, it would be next, and then Alave, and then Dobbs. Um, wow. So not Burks? No, I have Burks lower. I think, <laughs> I mean, I think that's going to be not a huge volume passing attack, and I think that if as long as he's healthy, I think Robert Woods is going to be the number one guy. And then I just look at, like, you know, Westbrook Akine and uh, – and uh, Kyle Phillips, I just feel like those guys could eat into Burks as well. Like, I, I don't know. Burks is like a, he's a very uh, hit or miss kind of a prospect, I think, too. So 
Um, I don't know. I like I wouldn't be totally panicking in Dynasty if I had him. Like if he doesn't have a, a huge first year, but I just I just don't know. I, I it just seems like the stars are not aligning for him to have that huge first season, in my opinion. Okay. Um, but what I would say more broadly is that there's no there's really no rookie I'm taking that early because there's a bunch of other guys we haven't even talked about yet that uh, I would take ahead of any of these rookies. Um, like Alec Pierce? Uh, well, Alec, Alec Pierce is a rookie as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I like Alec Pierce. I think he's a good sleeper. I think he's a good deep sleeper because I think he's got good uh, good red zone potential. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I he's a, he's a deep – he's a late-round pick, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think guys like – we haven't talked about Adam Thielen, but like, – Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, I mean, Adam Thielen is a good bet to get 10 touchdowns again this season, you know, even yeah. though um, he's not the target hog he used to be and, uh, you know, could be declining some as, as he gets older. Uh, Christian Kirk is a guy you know I love. And, yep. uh, I mean, they paid him the big bucks. I, I think that we could easily see a Trevor Lawrence breakthrough this year. Um, I'm, I'm actually more bullish on Trevor Lawrence having a breakout than Tua. So, um, you know, and I think Kirk is clearly going to be the number one guy there based on how much they paid him. Like, they want him to be that guy, you yeah. know. So I think they're going to force feed him. They're going to manufacture touches. He could even – get some end arounds and things like that. They're just going to make sure they get him the ball and try to make that contract look somewhat worthwhile. (laughs) (laughs) So um, just for that reason, I think he, I think he could easily find his way into like wide receiver three value and maybe even wide receiver, low end wide receiver two value. Um, Woods, you know, Woods to me is well ahead of Burks. um, So I think he's an interesting option. Uh, Elijah Moore, I, you know, I, I felt better about him before Zach Wilson got hurt, but um I still think, you know, the reports out of Jets camp are that Moore has been fantastic and that he looks to clearly be the number one receiver there right now. So um, if if Zach Wilson can get healthy and can actually uh, develop <laughs> and play better than he did last year, I think there's definitely some, like, massive upside for Elijah Moore. I just think he's uh, he's definitely a boomer bust pick just based on what's going on with the Jets right now. Well, you know, and I, I think I was listening to the CBS podcast. Uh, I don't know. I listened to a couple of different ones today. I think they were saying that Elijah Moore had his best game with Flacco last year. So, you know, if if he only misses, if Zach Wilson only misses a game or two, might not be that big of a deal anyway. So, yeah, I think bet on the talent with Elijah Moore. I have him. I, I know we did kind of bounce around and start talking about rookies, but you mentioned Adam Thielen. I have him as my wide receiver 27 up here in a tier with, like, Michael Thomas, Godwin, Marquise Brown, Amari Cooper. I have Thielen pretty high. And then I have Robert Woods, uh, Gabriel Davis, Elijah Moore as we start getting into the 30s. So some of these guys that we're, we're talking about, like, yeah, we skipped around a little bit. But I have those guys. We also skipped over, I don't know if we got to him in your rankings, but Tyler Boyd. Um, I have him as my wide receiver, 37. He's mm. just been really solid. Again, a floor play, you know, as you're building your roster and drafting him, people are not going to be that excited to draft Tyler Boyd because people are excited to draft Jamar Chase and T. Higgins at the top. And they're getting all the love. Um and for good reason. But don't forget about Tyler Boyd. He's a good receiver in his own right. And I think, especially like in a PPR league, I think he'll get a lot of catches. Um, you know, just depends on how you're building your roster. But I think he's a nice, safe play that you can plug into your flex. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I like him better in like a deeper league um, because you know what you're getting with him. Um, but like in the standard league where it's like two two running backs, two receivers, one flex or something like that. Like, yeah. I would just hope I could do better <laughs> than Tyler Boyd as a starter. And then you're, it's basically like you're just kind of hoping – well, you're not hoping. You never hope for injury. But, like, I mean, he would 
if if there was an injury to Chase or Higgins, like his value would spike. So that's the that's the upside case for Boyd because I think yeah. like as long as those guys are on the field, like I don't know, he's just going to be he'll contribute some, but like he's just he's like a player I'll never really want to be starting. You know, I, Jarvis Landry is a similar type of player in my book as well. Um, and then whoever is the number one receiver for the Patriots, I guess, is, could could fit in that category, whether it's Devontae Parker or Jacoby Myers. Um, they probably fit in that category as well. Um, Jarvis Landry will be on your waiver wire this year. He will. I don't care what league you're in, maybe if you're really deep. But, like, he's one of those guys who I just think he's a good player, but he's getting old. And, yeah, like, come week four, week five, Jarvis Landry's had a couple games of, you know, three catches for 30 yards, and people are like, Nope. I'm, I mean, he's the guy that they're, they're just going to drop and pick up someone else who's had a really good start. So Unless Jameis Winston breaks out as much as I think he will, and then you're going to want to start all of the Saints receivers. <laughs> I, I, I really do like Chris Olave, though. I mean, like, Chris Olave yeah. was one of those guys, like, I thought, man, depending on where he goes, I really like it. And I think I think the Saints is a good, good landing spot for him. I think when we were talking about rookies, and I won't go back, we won't, you know, keep talking about that, but it really is tough to kind of figure out, like, which of these rookies – are going to break out. I think in your drafts, like, you know, go ahead and get one of these guys, maybe two, um, if you're in your later rounds, because a lot of these guys in redraft leagues, will, will, you can get them in the late rounds. You, we mentioned Alec yeah. Pierce. I have him as wide receiver 71. He can be yeah. your last round pick. He might be the number two receiver um, behind Michael Pittman. He's got yeah, a good I mean, shot. I prefer Alec Pierce over uh, over Paris Campbell personally. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I like that a lot. I think maybe at this point, rather than talking about our tiers, we should maybe just start honing in on some of the team situations that we haven't really um, dove into much yet. Um, sure. You know, I, the Dallas situation is interesting to me because I I still think Michael Gallup, like, has quite a bit of upside this season. I think I don't think he's going to miss that much time at the beginning of the year. He might not even miss any games. I think the latest report, unless I'm mistaken, was that, like, he's he, he could – actually be available i don't know is that right or am i misremembering that i don't know i haven't seen it i've been there's been so much i know news he lately. he he put a wet blanket on it like a week ago um oh i guess the latest report is that he he's out running roots uh okay. in practice uh today on thursday um so uh That's good news. yeah i mean he's still on the pop list i, I you know he's probably not going to be ready for week one but like if he misses a couple weeks and then steps right into that number two receiving role in what should be a very explosive offense, like I I could see him being like a low end wide receiver too once he's healthy, you know. So and he, he you can get him at a major discount because of the injury. So he's kind of intriguing to me. Yeah, um, I'll say, but, where I have- but I also think Tolbert's interesting too because I you know I think he's uh, he's going to play. <laughs> he's going to play from the beginning and. Right. I'd like him as a prospect. So, and I think Dallas can really support three receivers. I mean, you know, Tolbert could give you Gallup esque value once Gallup's back. Well, yeah, I have, I've moved Tolbert slightly above Gallup in my rankings for just that reason. Like, he's going to be available, let's say, you know, week yeah. one, they play uh, Tampa Bay, tough matchup. Week two, they get the Bengals, and then they play the Giants and uh, Commanders. So it'll be interesting to see uh, when Gallup does make it back, right? Because Tolbert, you know, you never know. Like, he could hit the ground running and have a couple good games right off the bat. Not to say that Gallup uh, won't regain his spot, but it just might be a little bit murkier, and you won't have as much confidence, right? So Gallup Mm -hmm. might be one of those guys, when he comes back, you might not start him for a couple weeks. So even if he comes back week four, you might not start him until week six, you know, because you're just kind of, like, not sure. 
I don't yeah, know. but he, uh, he could be back in like week two or week three. I don't know. I, I, what I like <laughs> is maybe uh, drafting both of them, actually. You know, yeah. because that way one <laughs> of them is going to be a good start every week. You know, I think. Anyway, I mean, I just think CD Lamb can have a million targets and there'll still be targets left over because this offense is going to, you know, score a lot of points. So yeah. um, I like the idea of, of actually drafting both of them, given well, you their mentioned, ADPs. Okay. You mentioned. Um, New England, I'll just touch on them real quick. I mean, I have Jacoby Myers higher than Devontae Parker. I think you might have him flipped. Totally fine with that. I like I like the fact that Jacoby Myers, you know, has that rapport uh, with Mac Jones. I have Jacoby, like, even inside my top 50 wide receivers, um, just based on kind of what he did last year with Mac Jones. But I do see this offense as being, I mean, a potential train wreck with <laughs> Matt Patricia calling the plays, or who knows who's calling the plays, but that's kind of what we're thinking based on reading between the lines and getting the mumblings from Belichick. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. I probably wouldn't really recommend drafting uh, a wide receiver for the Patriots because I expect them to run the ball a lot. But Jacoby Myers was solid. Um, I have Devontae Parker a little bit lower just because it's more unknown. He's older, um, just coming into a new system and all that. But I don't know. I don't, nothing more. We can move on to someone else if you don't care to talk about either. Well, I just I just don't think we have a great read right now on <laughs> how the targets are going to get divvied up there. And knowing the Patriots, I, I sort of feel like it's going to be in a way that's frustrating. <laughs> like it's going to be, it's yeah. going to be split. It's going to be split with a bunch of different guys, you know? And uh, what was it? Like Kendrick Bourne was like the guy last year, right? I mean, yeah, right. he could be the guy again this year, or maybe it's the rookie uh, Tyquan Thornton or, you know, Nelson Aguilar is still there too. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's going to be frustrating. And then of course it's, you know, they've got, two tight ends that can demand targets as well. So I don't know. And and their offense sounds like it's a mess like right now. And they have like a defensive coordinator as their offensive coordinator. And I, I don't know, maybe Belichick <laughs> has some secret plan, but right now I'm, <laughs> I'm not enthusiastic about drafting uh, either of the Patriots receivers or any of them, I guess I could say. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's see what else. So what about Lockett? Where are you on him? Because I, you know, I, for me, I think a lot of people have just downgraded both of Seattle's receivers a, a fair amount, but yep. I downgraded Lockett a lot more than I downgraded Metcalf. Um, just because I feel like Lockett, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just discounting him, but uh, I feel like he and he and Russell Wilson just had this like unreal chemistry that's going to be very hard to replicate, and I just don't know if he's the type of receiver that can succeed in in an adverse environment that he's going to have with uh with geno smith or with uh drew lock yeah i keep moving him down i have him as my wide receiver 36 behind some of these guys we already talked about elijah moore amon amon ross st brown Devontae smith um those guys have just i don't know much more upside i feel like um being younger and yeah like you mentioned like we don't know you're right i don't think we really know what Lockett's going to look like without russell wilson and yeah, he had so many good, he just had such a magical connection <laughs> with Wilson that, yeah, he's one of those guys I could easily see being like the wide receiver 72 this year or something terrible. I mean, yeah. I really could. I mean, yeah, he you, could fall off the map. When you talk about range of outcomes, I don't see a range of outcome where he's like a wide receiver too, to be honest, but I do see that other really bad scenario. So I yeah. just, I'm passing over him probably in yeah. drafts. And then, um, we have to talk about the Giants as well, I guess. Uh, do we? You know, Kadarius Tony <laughs> is the guy that I have yeah. ranked highest, and I, I, you probably do as well. Yep. Um, but I just don't know. I just don't. 
I can't get a read on the Giants. I mean, all the reports coming out of their camp is, is that they're, they look terrible <laughs> in practice. Right. And, you know, Kenny Galladay in particular just seems completely checked out. And uh, I've, I've lost any faith that he's going to have any kind of a rebound. So I guess that helps Tony's case. Um, you know, Sterling Shepard is coming off a pretty significant injury. And, uh, you know, Wandale Robinson's getting some hype. But I, I'm not quite buying that. I still think he might be more of a a gadget player, at least in year one. So uh, it does seem like Tony could step into a pretty high volume role. Um, I just, I just don't know for sure. And there's, there are still a lot of cooks in the kitchen there in New York. Yeah. I mean, there are, but like Sterling Shepard, I don't expect him to be very healthy. Like you mentioned Galladay, like he, I don't know. I, I think Tony, if he's healthy, can be kind of like that last man standing. I don't really believe much in Wandale Robinson for the reasons you said. So I think if I'm drafting anyone, it'll be Tony. Uh, it's yep. kind of to- Tony or nobody for me. <laughs> right. The question is, what can, like, how high would you take Tony? Like, are we, are you above or below consensus on Tony? Uh, let's see. I have him inside my top 50. Uh, let's see where I have Tony. Looks like you're a little below consensus on him. You I have him as my not. wide receiver 44. So, yeah, he's yeah. ECR four, wide receiver 47. So, I'm in yeah, the Yeah, I must be, niche. like, right on <laughs> consensus with him. I have him at 43. So, I guess I'm one spot ahead. Um, I don't know. It's like I kind of want to move him up more um, <laughs> just because of the opportunity. In fact, maybe I will. I think I'm going to – because, like, we were just talking about Tyler Lockett. Like, I think I would take Kadarius Tony over Tyler Lockett. I mean, honestly, like, some of these guys we've already just been talking about, like, could I see Kadarius Tony having a better season than Darnell Mooney? Sure. Um, but Darnell Mooney at least had a thousand yards last year and he clearly is like the number one receiver. But I mean, I could see, I could see Tony. I mean, like Daniel Jones versus Justin Fields, you know, Daniel Jones has Brian mm-hmm. Dayball there now. Like we, I think the, I mean, they have to score more touchdowns than they did last year, right? Like <laughs> they were terrible. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about similar situations here. It's like, Kadarius Tony to me might be Darnell Mooney light, and you can get him probably like five rounds later or something, maybe more. Yeah, I just moved Tony up a few spots just thinking about it. I mean, the other guy that's interesting to compare him to, I think, is Alan Lazard because I have I have them ranked similarly, but I just don't. You know, we talked about Romeo Dobbs before, and I just don't. I mean, Alan Lazard should be the number one receiver there to start the year, but mm-hmm. do we think he's going to be the number one receiver there to end the year? I mean, it's like he just doesn't seem like a number one receiver at all. So he doesn't know. No, I mean, uh, I just I think it's like his standing atop the depth chart is kind of like paper thin, you know? Yep. And I mean, we've seen Lazard like he's dealt with how many years he's played. I'm just pulling. He's dealt with some injuries, so he played ten games in 2020, 15 last year. I think it was 2020 where he had like that. Didn't he have like a sports hernia or something like some core muscle thing? So I don't know. Like, is is he even like if he gets an injury and all of a sudden, or even like I don't know who's going to start. But they have Sammy Watkins and Randall, Randall Cobb there as well. Like, I could see week one them starting the veterans, and then maybe week two or three, you know, maybe Sammy Watkins gets hurt or something or something like that. And now one of the rookies is getting more snaps. Yeah, by week four or five, I think it's going to be really clear. Like the cream will rise to the top. And I think that's why I haven't moved Christian Watson down. Cause I just think there's still a good chance. Like they spent the draft capital on this guy. He's the better prospect than Dobbs. Like I think it still could be him, but yeah, Lazard, I, I have him ranked higher than, than all those guys. We, I just mentioned, but I don't feel confident about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, he, I feel like I have to have him ranked the highest just based on, you know, the way things currently are. But, 
Um, Dobbs is the one I think has the best chance to overtake him because I I think Dobbs is the one. And I you know I said this when I when uh, we I think when we talked about the dynasty rookies uh, right you know when I watched tape of Romeo Dobbs the name like the player that came to mind was Devonte Adams and like I know I'm not saying he's as good as Devonte Adams but he's he like in college against not that great competition he looked like Devonte Adams you know? <laughs> right like I I'm not sure Christian Watson is that type of player so. Um, I think he might be a little more boom or bust. Like, you know, maybe he's like the Valdez Scantling type of guy in the offense. And, yeah. uh, and Lazard is the Lazard in the offense. And it doesn't, <laughs> maybe his situation doesn't really change that much from last year, you know? Like, maybe Lazard is just at his best being uh, the number two option, you know? So yeah. we'll have to see how it plays out. I mean, I, Sammy Watkins, like, I could see him getting cut before the start of the season. We'll see. Yeah. They're going to have to make some decisions in their wide receiver room. I mean, I think Rodgers will push for Randall Cobb to, stick around so that could be bad news for Watkins <laughs> very true well let me let me uh let me jump back to Arizona real quick because we touched on DeAndre Hopkins a little bit you mentioned Marquise Brown we talked about them a little obviously Hopkins is suspended for six games I mean I've moved him down to my wide receiver 43 I might move him even lower because like when drafts roll around again I have a hard time drafting someone who didn't look good last year um he's gonna take up a bench spot for six weeks and, you know, I don't know how confident I'm going to be starting in week seven. It's not like, I don't know, it's not like a Michael Thomas situation um, where I'm just, I feel a little bit more confident. But anyway, that aside, what do you think about Rondale Moore potentially being like a post-hype sleeper? Because people were all about Rondale Moore. And the guy, I think his <laughs> average depth of target was like negative last year. So it was <laughs> terrible. And maybe they'll find more ways to get him the ball. I, I still believe he's a good fit. Um, and maybe they'll find better ways to get on the ball. I had now I have Rondell Moore as my wide receiver 64, so we're going down pretty low. I have him below guys like Robbie Anderson, Nico Collins, and some of these guys. But I might, I don't know, I might move Rondell Moore up because I'm just thinking sometimes these post hype sleepers get moved down too far. Like the hate goes too far. What do you think about Rondell Moore? He's just not the type of receiver that I like, so I'm pretty down. I have him at wide receiver 73 right now. Um, okay. I mean, I could maybe move him up a few spots just based on the point you made about Hopkins being out. There's, there should be a, a fair number of targets available in the short term, but yeah, um, yeah I don't know, man. I just, I just think, I mean, this guy is five seven, one hundred eighty pounds. Like he's just he's small, you know. Yeah, I, it, he is. And I just don't. I just think he's always going to be a player that like is useful to a real life team, but not necessarily in fantasy. Like I, you know, I just think he's. He's only uh, he can only contribute in certain ways. He's never going to be like a huge volume guy, I don't think. So uh, yeah. just because he can't, there's only certain routes he can run and certain <laughs> plays he can make. You yeah, know? don't run across the middle of the field. You're going to get killed, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but he's fast. Uh, so I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm kind of out on Rondell Moore. Um, but uh, you know, there will be some opportunity early in the year uh, behind uh, behind Hollywood Brown and and Zach Ertz. I think uh, yeah. while Hopkins is out. But I'll, I'll be interested to see if he can get some deeper targets, you know, because you mentioned Christian Kirk. Obviously, he's gone. So there is a little bit of opportunity there, like you just, you know, talking about Hopkins being out. So it, he's a he's a guy I'm keeping an eye on because I think he's going to go undrafted in a lot of leagues. He's like one of the first guys who I'll throw on my watch list, maybe, because, again, yeah, we're talking about guys in the six, wide receiver 60 to 70 range yeah. with more. But if he looks good in week one or two, I'm jumping all over him. That's fair. I just I, I would rather I would much rather have Hopkins just because I feel like. 
even though you have to wait six weeks, like once he's back, I feel like there's a good chance that I'll want to start DeAndre Hopkins. And there's not a very good chance I'm ever going to want to start Rondell Moore. Yeah. And I have Hopkins as my wide receiver 43. So I have him ranked well ahead um, for that reason. But I don't yeah, know. I, mean, I, have, I have Hopkins at 38. So like I, I, he's to me, like, I don't know. I, I like, I think it's worth like grabbing him and just being patient. I just, I think he's going to be at least wide receiver three value once he's back. Okay. Any other um, uh, places you want to go? Yeah. So um, let's see. Where where did I want to go next? Um, I think. Uh, well, the Pittsburgh situation is kind of interesting behind Deontay yeah. Johnson. We haven't really t- we we briefly mentioned Pickens, but you know, there's going to be a ba- there's a continuing battle uh, between Pickens and Claypool in terms of like who's going to be the number two guy. Um, you know they they'll play a lot of three wide like eighty percent of the time or something. So they'll both be on the field. I don't know who's going to get more targets. Um, they're both like very interesting players in terms of talent, like pure talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've kind of already been disappointed by Claypool, like his inconsistency and off the field, or <laughs> actually not even off the field, on the field, <laughs> acting <laughs> immature in certain ways and. Um, you know, I it's just been it's been a very kind of start and stop uh, career for Claypool so far. So I think there's like a tendency to like want to just jump on Pickens, especially because like he's getting a lot of good um, good uh, buzz in training camp, and he was actually a really good player in college before he got hurt. So yeah, he looks to be fully healthy. Um, my question, my bigger question though, is like. Can either of these guys pay off if this offense just isn't that – if this passing game just isn't that good? I mean, like, I just – I'm really not that bullish on the, the quarterback play there. So I, I wonder if that makes either of these guys kind of hands-off. Um, I would say not hands-off. Like, Claypool, to me, is becoming hands-off just because, like, I mean, he had, he had 100 targets in each of his, uh, you know, two seasons in the league, but he had – nine touchdowns in his rookie year and two last year you know like if you look at his game log you remember like he had some some big games he had that three touchdown game early in like early in his uh rookie year like people got really excited about Claypool but what have you done for me lately I mean Claypool you know didn't look that great last year and Pickens is looking like the real deal you mentioned you know him in college and before the injury I mean this is a guy who could have been the number one receiver drafted you know maybe if not for the injury uh, and I think he might have had some off-field stuff too. But, you know, yeah, Pickens looks like the real deal. I've moved Pickens ahead of Claypool. Um, your point is taken that, like, <laughs> do you want either of these guys? Sort of like the New York Giants situation. Like, is it just Deontay Johnson and that's it? But, no, nah, I think I would go ahead and, like, take a like in the later rounds, go ahead and take a, take a look at Pickens and see what he can do early on. Because, I mean, if you don't, someone else will. And it, it's just one of those guys, I think you're going to know early on after a couple weeks, like, you know, in redraft leagues, we're not talking about dynasty, of course, but in redraft leagues, like after a couple of weeks, I think you can be like, well, do I cut him and pick up someone else? Yes or no. Uh, does Pittsburgh look really bad or is Trubisky halfway decent in this offense? So I think you'll know right away. I kind of like guys like that toward the end of your draft. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I don't have a problem taking a late round uh, stab at, uh, at George Pickens. Uh, but there is one guy that I would prefer over him um, that's going probably in a similar stage late game stage of drafts and that's nico collins uh, now i am a michigan guy so i'm i'm a little biased but i think nico collins is a very talented player as well and i, I just i like his situation a little bit more because there is no 
Chase Claypool type <laughs> in uh, Houston that is threatening Nico Collins's position on the depth chart. You know, right. I, I yeah. mean, they just don't have <laughs> really anyone but beyond Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins. And um, I don't know. I sort of feel like the Texans are going to be in a lot of adverse situations where they're throwing a lot in the second half of games. It just mm-hmm. seems that way to me. Um, and so I kind of feel like Collins, I, he can kind of do be like a poor man's cooks, you know, in terms of like the kind of flying under the radar, but putting up pretty exciting production um, when it's all said and done. Yeah. I think your feeling is correct. I think they are going to be in a lot of games like that. And I really like clear cut sort of, you know, number one, number two, this feels like one of those, uh, when we get to our tight end uh, episode, I'm looking at guys who could be that number two option. Uh, and I don't think this is one of them with like a Brevin Jordan. Like Nico Collins is the number two there. So like, yeah, I actually have him in a tier. I have a lot of tiers, but like this is like tier 11 for me. But I, I have Pickens <laughs> and Nico Collins in the same tier with guys we've talked about like Jalen Tolbert and Michael Gallup. They're in this tier. Um, I have Garrett Wilson in this tier. So yeah, um, that, that I like... I like both of these guys um, in sort of like like when we talk about Pickens, Nico Collins in this 53 to 59 wide receiver range. Yeah. I mean, it's just like when your competition is like Chris Conley and Chris Moore and Philip Dorsett, like yeah. <laughs> you're going to you're going to be playing, you know, Absolutely. especially when you're a young guy on a rebuilding team. Like, I mean, I just think Nico Collins is going to get a ton of opportunity and uh and I think he's got the ability to pay off with that opportunity as well. Yeah, I wanted to mention, I mean, I haven't been watching Hard Knocks. I don't have HBO. I feel like I need to get it so I can, like, catch up and watch. I love watching Hard Knocks, but so I don't really know what's going on other than, like, some of the things that I've seen on social media. Um, we talked about Amon Ra St. Brown a bit. I think I have him, like, in my top. Mm, he's my wide receiver 34, and honestly, I keep moving him up. He's up there with, like, Elijah Moore, who we talked about as well. Um, but... Interested to see who's the number two receiver here. Um, I know it's probably TJ Hawkinson, but they signed DJ Chark in the offseason. I have him as my wide receiver 65. Um, he's been looking good in camp. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to mean anything, but like the, the Lions might take a step, you know, like Dan Campbell in year two, um, get the hard knocks bump. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the only problem with a guy like DJ Chark. I don't know what's going on in the show, but like guys often get overdrafted. So <laughs> it might not even be worth it by the time his ADP might climb due to things like hard knocks but yeah yeah i think dj shark will be the number two receiver um behind st brown what do you think i mean it seems like they made a priority to go out and get him i i i will say i've moved st brown up a lot i was initially kind of out on him um but then the more i thought about it i just was like what has really changed from last year i feel like that he's still going to be their number one target pretty clearly by a good margin and yeah i think he just has he has the kind of skill set that like fits well with Jared Goff. I mean, I'm not going to say he's Cooper Cup, but like he's that <laughs> he's kind of that kind of player, you know what I mean? Like he's more yeah. of a a slack guy that's, you know, very quick and can create um separation in in the short and intermediate parts of the field. So, I just think he's going to he's going to have a lot of like 10 target games, you know what I mean, just like he did last year. Um so I moved him up to wide receiver 28 cuz I I just, um, especially if you're getting any points for receptions, whether it's half a point or full, I think um, even though his touchdown upside is pretty limited, I think uh, he, we saw last year, he can still be quite valuable um, anyway. And I like um, that, I, I, I like oh, that video of St. Brown rattling off the 16 uh, receivers. Oh, he's motivated. Ahead of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, beyond him, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really into drafting these other lions. Um, I, 
I just I don't know. I like it could be like Chark is just one of those players that has been really kind of frustrating anyway. Like, you know, people thought he was breaking out like with Jacksonville several years ago and it just it's been it's just it's kind of like with Chase Claypool. It's just not worked out the way people were hoping at all and uh I don't know. I look at this team, I'm just like you know, Jamison Williams is going to be back eventually, and like they're going to want to yep. work him in because they used a high draft pick on him. Uh, they have these other random receivers that I just feel like are the kind. The Lions are the kind of team where like guys come out of nowhere in any given week and put up like 120 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> you know, like Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds, Quintez Cephas. Like I could see any of those guys going off one week during the season. It's, um, you know, because they're going to be behind and, and throwing a lot in the second half of games too. But it's just to me the depth chart is murkier than like with Houston. So I, you know, I really, um, I really prefer investing in a Nico Collins to any of these guys. Do we care about the number two in Washington? I mean, is it Jahan Dotson? I think so. Yeah, I Could think so. Curtis and I, I, I care about it. I mean, you know, people, people, you know, trash uh, Carson Wentz all the time, but like, I mean, he is. He is an upgrade uh, over what they had before, I think. Yeah. And um, certainly for the receivers. I mean, like Carson Wentz will make several boneheaded plays every week, <laughs> um, and he can lose his team the game at times. But, like, he'll also make some throws, you know. And uh, I like Jahan Dotson. I mean, he was a first-round pick, uh, you know, fairly, like, middle of the first-round pick. Um, I think he's uh, he's got some talent, you know. And I think he – the 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 – opportunity is is clearly there i mean especially if logan thomas is not ready to start the year like they need to throw to somebody besides mclaurin you know and curtis samuel is <laughs> so inconsistent and can never stay healthy so i'm kind of discounting him so yeah i'm like i don't see dotson as having like massive upside but i feel like he could like be one of those guys that like sneaks his way into wide receiver three value um if he can emerge yeah, and I mean he's really flying under the radar. I think you know I kind of jokingly said, "Do we care about it?" But I mean, yeah, we we might. And like I'm looking at ADP, he's getting drafted after um, guys like Sammy Watkins, just ahead of Odell Beckham Jr., <laughs> who doesn't have a team and, and won't be able to play until at least November, based on his injury. <laughs> exactly. So like that's crazy. You know, like he's he's getting he's getting no respect. He's uh, the Ronnie Dangerfield of rookie wide receivers. Well, I respect him because I drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl. So nice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I think, you know, he he could be very relevant. I mean, we could talk about all sorts of guys. I mean, you know, like Julio Jones, we we like there's guys down here like around 70. It's like, I don't know. We're starting to get into guys that I don't really care about, but anyone else like down in the kind of Well, you mentioned Julio Jones. I mean, I think it is interesting like the Russell Gage Julio Jones situation because you know, Russell Gage was getting a lot of helium as a uh, mm-hmm. as a sleeper pick, but then we saw Godwin making progress faster than people were anticipating. And then they signed Julio Jones. And suddenly it's like, well, is Gage still going to play a big role? I mean, because I've never, I've never really thought of Russell Gage as a, as a special player in any way. He, you know, he's kind of like yeah. the quintessential, you know, jag. <laughs> I think so, Tyler, um, Tyler, Tyler Anderson, Tyler Johnson is better than, than Russell Gage. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I don't I mean, think he's going to play ahead of Russell Gage, but um I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I I mean, I the the Julio signing to me w- was a big deal because I, I could have seen if like if Julio didn't sign, I could have seen Gage still having some value even when once Godwin was up and running. But 
now that like you also have this lurking Julio <laughs> threat who could also just be used in like red zone situations or something just to like frustrate everybody else. But um, I don't know. I'm sort of like moving gauge down my rankings um, based on the, all, everything that's been happening the last few weeks. All right. I've got one more. Uh, we, we didn't really talk about Jacksonville too much. You mentioned uh, Christian Kirk. I don't think we mentioned, like, do we care about the number two there? You said Trevor Lawrence. You like him as a, you know, I mean, this is a guy who's a generational talent at quarterback, one of the best, you know, prospects we've seen since maybe Andrew Luck. You know, a lot of rookie quarterbacks struggle in year one. And if you have Urban Meyer as your coach kicking kickers around and stuff and all the antics that he was doing, then, yeah, I mean, he could certainly have a better year. I mean, I expect him to have a better year in year two. Uh, They have Marvin Jones there. They've got LaVisca Chenault. They brought in Zay Jones, who... I'm not crazy about, but I don't know. Like Marvin Jones has been around a while. LaVisca Chenault, we haven't really seen what he can do, I feel like. Maybe he's like a a sneaky little uh, breakout candidate. What do you think? Anyone to care about there other than Kirk? I just, I, I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> I just, <laughs> it's too murky, you know? Like, I yeah. used to love Marvin Jones. I used to think he was like one of the most underrated players in fantasy year in and year out. He uh, wasn't And prime. then things just like went off a cliff for him, yeah. you know? And I, I can't really buy back into him now until I see it. But um, I don't know. I mean, Chenault is a guy that like people have been hyping up for for a couple of years now, and it's he's just he he's another one of these guys that just seems like more of a gadget player. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And Zay Jones was a guy I never really never really thought much of, but like it it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being the number two there. But uh, no, I mean. Until we see Lawrence actually break out, Kirk's the only one I think I'm really interested in drafting in a you know standard ten or twelve team league. Okay, um, but what about um, Robbie Anderson? I mean, mm. you know, with Baker Mayfield there, I, maybe their offense will be a little better. I feel like Robbie Anderson is like a little bit underrated at this point, maybe <laughs> like as a deep deep option, you know, because like he is still clearly the number two receiver there. I mean, he's absolutely. Going to- He's going to get tons of snaps. He should still get plenty of targets as well. And, you know, if Baker is healthy, maybe he has a bounce back. And and Robbie Anderson, he just seems like the kind of guy that people have left for dead. And then he's going to go off one week and all of a sudden people are going to be like, oh, yeah, Robbie Anderson. I forgot about him. (laughs) Oh, that guy who had a thousand yards, you know, just a year ago. Like, yeah, 2020, he had a great season, uh, really better than or as good as DJ Moore. He was like he led the he led the team in targets. I wrote about I wrote him up a little bit in like that article I did on rosrankings.com about like value guys for each team. And I think Robbie Anderson was my guy. Cause yeah, he's, I mean, he's basically free in drafts, but yeah, another guy who's the clear number two. I mean, this is another, like you kind of have to look at teams. Like, can they be better? Can they take a step from last year? Like the Panthers, they're a good candidate, right? Like McCaffrey's healthy, um, at least for now. And Baker, I think is an upgrade at quarterback. So yeah, Robbie Anderson. Like I like that one a lot. I'm gonna move him up a couple spots. I have I him. I just moved him up eight spots. Nice. Yeah, I have him. <laughs> I have him as my wide receiver, 62. That's exactly where I have him now. <laughs> now, okay. I'm gonna move him up a little more. I'm gonna move him uh, up. You gotta stay of, ahead of me. Yeah, maybe I'll move him up more too. I'll try to catch. catch I'm gonna him. move him ahead of Jarvis Landry at least. Good grief. Why do I have Jarvis Landry that high? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I moved him up to 58. How's that? Okay. Yeah, I'll probably settle in around there too. <laughs> okay um let's see who else we got here so i do want to mention one thing late in the game with wide receivers that i like to do is i like to draft like um the third receiver on a team you know like people talk about handcuffing running backs and you generally don't handcuff wide receivers but um third receivers on really explosive offenses like 
are the only ones I might, you know, they, they're decent lottery tickets, you know, and uh, some candidates for me this year. I mean, you mentioned Tyler Board, but he's going a lot earlier. You know, these guys yeah. are guys you can get in like the last round of your draft. I mean, like Van Jefferson, uh, I think, mm-hmm. with the Rams is a good candidate. Josh Palmer uh, with the Chargers yeah. and KJ Osborne with the Vikings. Like all of those guys, like I feel like one injury in front of them and all of a sudden they're like the guy that people are blowing all their fab on to get, you know. So it, it doesn't hurt to be like one step ahead and just already have them stashed. Absolutely. I like the, I mean, I like Josh Palmer and KJ Osborne, especially like, and we've seen Thielen get hurt quite a bit. Um, you know, Mike Williams, Mike Williams jumps up and gets those balls. Like I could see him missing a couple games just with like a bruised butt or something <laughs> coming down hard. Uh, yeah. I like both those guys. I like Josh Palmer a lot, but yeah, he's a late round for sure. Like he, I mean, maybe he'll be a guy in a couple years who looks really good. Um, but yeah, he's a good like wide receiver handcuff. I like that. Yeah. All right, I think I think we could be good. I mean, I could always talk more about the Jets. <laughs> uh, we did we, we talked no. a little bit about Garrett Wilson, but uh, and Elijah Moore, but Corey Davis is still there too. I mean, maybe he's like a gonna gonna come back into our lives like Robbie Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about yeah Corey Davis. Maybe not. <laughs> how about how about the Titans? Is there anyone you're you, you sound like you're still kind of in on Burke, so I guess that means you're not so into. Uh, Kyle Phillips or Nick Westbrook Aquina? I mean, gosh, like it's that's the thing about like this time of year. Like, I'm seeing so much on Twitter about Kyle Phillips, right? I'm seeing all these videos of him, and it's like, okay, they're maybe having he's catching touchdowns in practice. Okay, it's it's hard to get excited about stuff like that. I try to like just not really factor that into my thinking. I mean, I want to like he's probably not even going to start, you know, right away. So yeah maybe but it's you're talking about the defensive leagues yeah yeah yeah. and dynasty yeah i i have them stashed in dynasty so that i'm happy with but yeah Yeah. we'll we'll see about about redraft (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right i think we've dug deep enough i will say jamison crowder too you know could he's kind of similar to those uh, guys i talked about like one injury and he could all of a sudden be into a role but real realistically he might just not make the team so yep. that's that's the other thing to watch for there but i think we've i think we've dug deep enough here if people want to ask our thoughts on any receivers we've not touched upon they can uh reach out to us on twitter yeah. um i am uh, at andrew underscore cypher and i'm at barton wheeler we appreciate everyone listening to the podcast if you like the show please follow subscribe rate and review we are out of here We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.